Bam, 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 bam. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Inner League. My name's Chris, as always, with Spags, Alex D. Spagney. That's his first and his last name. Now the internet knows it. I think they've probably already known it. But welcome back to the show, where now the other half of the show can be happy about baseball again. <laughs> and we won't talk about it right now. We won't talk about it right now. But this show breaks stories. And today, you're getting breaking news, folks. Okay, You're waking up to breaking edge news. Sit back, buckle in, and enjoy the ride. Spags, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, yeah, uh, interesting, interesting things happening. Um, I was really hoping that this wasn't like our headline news wasn't gonna break tonight. Uh, dude, um, I thought it, it would. Friday. Yeah. You said it on Friday, and I'm like, nah, this asshole. And then Saturday, <laughs> nah. Yeah. Sunday. So I spent all weekend checking my phone. And on Sunday, I, I texted you a bunch of times about it, and you didn't respond once. So, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, good, I, so, so yeah, so I was hoping that at this point, Chris would be at like maximum capacity of annoyance. Of like just this dick tease of a trade, <laughs> like that. Then we wouldn't be able to record and talk about it, and then it would happen Tuesday. Was my dream that like Tuesday morning we'd wake up and we'd have the news, and then it would be like six days of him needing to be like, I can't wait to talk about this. It would have been dope, but it yeah. didn't happen. It literally, it like news came out that it was finally official. What maybe, you know, thirty no, minutes ago, forty-five no, minutes no, ago. Like Maybe hour, not even that long. Yeah, hour 15, right at 9 o'clock. Because okay. we, we jumped on right at 9, yeah. and it had broke like 15 minutes prior to that. So, yes. hour and a half or so. Anyway. Well, that would be an hour. So, yeah, because like looking at the report from MLB, they posted the article at 9.51 p.m. Eastern time. So, it would have been 8.51. Yeah, we're arguing over 15 minutes yeah. right now, Spang. Well, whatever. I'm really... saying. It, but it, but if we would have recorded on time, it it would have been, like, perfect right as we were getting ready to go live. Yeah. We would have got yeah. this note. And But now here we are, you know, a little after 10 o'clock our time that we're finally starting. It's all um, good. Yeah. We have plenty of time. We do. Plenty of time to talk about <laughs> So we're going to do things a little differently uh, just to give maximum time to discuss the Cardinals, since we haven't had a whole lot to talk about in their realm for a while. Um, so we're going to just kind of go through some of the other things first. Um, my my boys are relatively quiet. do have some news there, um, and we'll just see where it goes. So I figured the the easiest thing we'll, we'll just start with, um, free agent market continues to be pretty hot commodity. There's quite a bit of, yeah. quite a bit of names that were signed. Um, still some pretty prominent ones that are missing. Um but the the JT Realmuto search is over. He re-signed with Philadelphia. Got um, paid. Yeah, I mean, I I think that is pretty reasonable contract. Five years, hundred fifteen million. I for for reasonable for baseball superstars. Uh, he's probably the best at his position. Um, I I I would have expected more in like the thirty million range, like twenty five thirty. So being a little over twenty isn't the end of the world. I think I think it's like twenty three, is what it averages out to. Um, 
So I think I think is a good signing for the Phillies. Um, they also brought back D.D. Gregorius, so shortstop option taken off the board. Um, they're in a very tough division. Washington's gotten better. Uh, the Mets have obviously gotten better. Atlanta's been good. Um, the Marlins were a playoff team and made it to the um, division series last year. So five teams, and it's pretty pretty wide open. Like It's going to be very tough games played in the NL East, um, and I think the Phillies made two big steps towards doing that, um, like to, to competing as well. Uh, still think they need help with pitching, mainly the bullpen, but we'll see what else they do. Um, Cleveland signed uh, Eddie Rosario and Cesar Hernandez, both on one-year deals. Um, the Cubs signed Jack Peterson to a one-year deal for $7 million. Um, Minnesota picked up Andrew Alton Simmons on a one-year deal. Toronto signed Marcus Simeon on a one-year deal. And Baltimore signed Freddie Galvis on a one-year deal. Um, so basically, like, I feel like everyone's like, hey, we're not going to make long-term investments because we don't know what the future of baseball looks like. Um, and that's a little worrisome. So the the big thing where I think there's a ton of one-year deals that have happened this year, the biggest concern I have there is that the CBA is negotiated after 2021, and I don't know what happens if there is a strike, if payers are played out still, uh, if they're paid out still, like if there's, like I'm assuming they aren't, but I don't know like what that means from a work stoppage. Like if it's just, you know, only the players are losing out on money. Obviously, there's no games being played and there's no fans in the stands, so owners aren't getting any money there. But they are now have already suffered one complete season, you know, that they didn't have any revenue from ticket sales. Um, they, you know, possibly looking at another. So would another one really matter to them kind of thing? Uh, so just with a lot of one-year deals, it seems a little, it's a little nerve-wracking in that regard. Yeah, um... I would agree. I they'll get something worked out though. Um, I'd imagine. I think to your point, like I don't, I don't know. I would think the owners will, uh, you know, get as much as they possibly can continue to squeeze out. They typically always seem to win in this scenario and these scenarios. But um, there's money to be made long term here, so they'll, yeah, they'll figure something out. But yeah, I, the one year deal is like you would think like Jack Peterson, like you know, like. Even him, like, wanting to come to the Cubs, like, the Cubs didn't, like, seem like a, like, the best option currently. They seem to be kind of building in a, with the with WTF moment, and, like, he's taking a one-year, $7 million deal to go there, and he's a good player. Like, um, there should have been other teams after him, so some of these guys are probably like, you know what, I'll figure out my next team next year as well. Like, I'll just take this little deal this year and be done with it. Yeah, so with the when the news came out about Peterson, because I think that this happened... What I want to say, Peterson signed maybe the same day that rumors surfaced with the Cardinals like trade. Or, I think it was Thursday. I think it was the day before. Yeah, or, and it might have been the, the day. day it might have been the day before. I'm looking it up right now. I think it was uh, the day before. It was the 29th that it was official. So it was actually Friday. So same day, but it might have been like the timing was pretty close. I know. I know there wasn't a, a huge gap between the two, uh, but I was like, man, one year, seven million. Like left-handed power hitter plays outfield, at that kind of deal, like that's a deal again. Like how come the Cardinals didn't jump all over this? Like this seemed like mm-hmm. such a good reinvestment of the money you saved um, from like not bringing back a Colton Wong. Um, obviously, 
you know, other things came to fruition. So it makes a little bit more sense if that's what they were working on kind of behind the scenes. You can hope and pray that that's what it is. I don't necessarily know that that's it. I think that this kind of more so fell into their lap than it's just what their entire offseason has been focused on because uh, there's been no talk of it. Like, I feel like this came about very quickly. Um, obviously, Arenado's been on the Cardinals radar for a while. Um, he was talked about getting dealt for last offseason. Um so it's yeah, uh, how many how many people had Paul Goldschmidt coming to the St. Louis Cardinals before they announced that Paul Goldschmidt was coming to St. Louis? Right, Cardinals? like it, like you know? I feel like that there wasn't as much build up for Goldschmidt. It was pretty quick, um, as well. I think that's the way that Cardinals do business, though, right? right? Well, like, and I'm saying that, like Arenado coming here was always something that would like he had talked about yeah. waving his no trade clause last year, things like that. So it wasn't as a big surprise. So that's why I I don't feel like this is just what they were working on behind the scenes. Like, I think there would have been talks of, like, this is what we're looking at doing. Like, we're looking at improving this. Like, everything they were talking about was just, like, we're we're moving away from this. Like, we're, we got payroll restrictions. Like, you know, they non-tendered Brebia. They declined Wong's option. Like, everything they were doing was like, hey, right. like, we got hit hard by COVID. You yeah. know? And, and, you know, I, but, they, hey, they made the move. They got it done. Maybe it was behind the scenes. Like, this was all... They were lulling the pirates. He wasn't lying. They have payroll restrictions. They just added a bunch of payroll to their payroll as they complained about their payroll, you know? Yeah. So, so he was he was not lying when he was like, I got some restrictions here. Yeah. So some of these guys um, gotta go. So other other than the Arenado trade, which we'll get into more in, in depth, like I've made quite a few notes on my thoughts on it. Uh, I told Chris earlier today or maybe yesterday, I forget when, but that it was like, I was going to try to build an argument to make him feel like it's a bad deal. I'm, I'm going to fail miserably, but that's what I set out to do was that like, like I got, I don't think I'll be able to convince anybody. It's a bad trade, especially now that the details are out. There are, there are situations where I think I could get, I'll get you to agree that it would turn into a bad trade if things play out certain ways. Um, but I think they're all pretty unlikely, uh, but we'll get there. Um, other than that, the only other trade that really took place of note was the Mets dealt Stephen Matz to Toronto. Um, I had assumed that that was going to be, you know, a play to free up a rotation spot. They were going to sign Bauer and the Mets were just going to have like this disgusting, nasty ass pitching rotation to match up in the NLCS with San Diego. And we were just going to see 10 Cy Young pitchers you know, duke it out in a playoff series. That's what I thought was going to happen. So then everything comes out about Mickey Calloway, which I don't want to give too much attention to. Uh, it's a, it's a very weird situation. Um, weird in the sense that like, there's very computing, like very like disputing facts that exist on both sides. Um, multiple women saying this dude's a creep, you know, creepy piece of shit. Mickey Calloway obviously defending himself to like everything that happened was consensual kind of thing. I don't know. I wasn't there. Calloway is going to lose his job. Like these rumors, like that's the only thing the Angels can do. Um, Mickey Calloway was probably the biggest hurdle to Trevor Bauer signing with the Angels, given that they hated each other. So with him out of the picture, I would expect to see the Angels, you know, throwing money at Bauer. And I think that that's ultimately where he's going to land. And then that was kind of partnered with the Mets making the deal for, I think it's Yamamoto, is how you pronounce his last name, from Miami. So they have, you know, like their Syndergaard, they have DeGrom, um, they have Marcus Stroman, and then they have a plethora of guys in terms of depth. Like, 
Jared Eikhoff, um, Yamamoto. Uh, I think they have like two or three other guys that have major league starting rotation experience that are kind of there in their depths. Um, so I, I don't know that the Mets really have room for him still. Um, I think that they were like a short term offer is the best he'll get there. But I think that the Angels roadblocks kind of cleared the way. So I think that that's ultimately where we'll see Bauer end up now. Um, outside of that, you know, so that's kind of a perfect transition into the rumors. Um, Toronto's looking to upgrade their bullpen and like Trevor Rosenthal's name's the one being thrown around there as they continue to look to do things. Um, like I said, they signed Marcus Simeon and they've, you know, signed a handful of other people, brought in some stuff, traded for Matt's. Uh, so Toronto's looking to keep improving. So that's not good news in my eyes. Um, I like to see a team like Toronto though, like, you know, committing to like play with other teams in the division, right? You, yeah. you kind of wish other teams in the NL central would do that. Yes. So the NL central, you know? the NL central is going to be very boring, but it'll mm. be very enjoyable for Cardinals fans. Dude. Yeah. Um, we'll all, them, but if they like, yeah, lose was, some games, it will not be enjoyable. Yeah, I'll say the the only thing like essentially the St. Louis Cardinals, like you being a Cardinals fan, you will get to understand what it's like to be a Yankees fan in the sense that like you're the only team that has a payroll now, so everyone's just gonna be rooting for you to fail, and they could be like, look, money doesn't buy championships, money doesn't buy championships. <laughs> that's that's gonna be what everyone's rooting for. The other four teams in the NL Central. They probably won't really care. Like, it's not like Cubs fans won't be like, man, I really hope we win the Central. They're just going to be like, I really hope it's not the Cardinals. Like, yeah. just anyone else. Any one of us that can topple the Dang. the evil Cardinals in 2021, that's going to, you'll, you'll understand yeah. the frustration and annoyance that comes with it. <laughs> they hate us because they ain't <laughs> Yeah, you get it. You'll understand, dude. Um, so, in the same vein, um, Atlanta and the Dodgers have come out and they said that they have a real interest in Nelson Cruz. If the DH is available in the NL. Um, I think it's relevant that this is being talked about because it is owners coming out and saying that like, Hey man, like we're like, if we can figure this out, like we're definitely in like the universal DH adds value to you guys. Here's our proof. Who knows if they'll sign him, whatever. I think he still ends up back in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. but I think it's at least like, a way of negotiating the public eye without dragging the players union through the mud um, to be like, Hey, like, look, like we're, we're interested. So I think that that's cool. Um, I think the other argument in that is like, take like playoff game or like the world series. Like there's going to be, depending on who the home team is, you're going to have a pitcher like hit in those games. And like, that's when baseball really matters. Like through the regular season, doesn't really matter here and there. Like, do you maybe lose a game here and there because you didn't have a guy that could, you know, hit better than the pitcher, but like in the playoffs, you really want to see a pitcher. Yeah. It'll be like four, four games, four games would be played in the NL ballpark this year. Cause the Cardinals yeah. are going to win the world series. Yeah. Well, that is true. So, so, facts. so hurry here first. Big facts. That's, that's coming up in our big facts uh, episode and <laughs> our big facts. Uh, segment. Um, so I I also made note, so obviously, you know, we've talked about the NL Central quite a bit and the lack of them doing anything um, other than selling. That changed a little bit. Um, Pittsburgh's name got brought back up as they kind of continued their mediocre fire sale. 
um, Adam Frazier's names being shopped around quite a bit. Um, obviously, you know, like Josh Bell, Joe Musgrove, uh, James and Tyon, really their bigger players have all been dealt. So it just kind of seems fitting that Frazier would potentially be looking for a new, another home. Um, no, they didn't really talk about suitors for him. Um, but just that his name was being floated out there. Um, and then oddly enough, now Cincinnati has been like kind of linked to ma- like looking at potentially making some deals. So they were they were in like a pretty big need for a shortstop, obviously with Gregorius, Simmons, uh, Semyon, and Freddie Galvis all being signed in the last week. The free agent market for shortstops is pretty minimal. Um, so they've been linked to Ahmed Rosario, who Cleveland got from the Mets and the Francisco Lindor trade. Um, but now that this deal is official with Colorado and they're, you know, they're potentially looking at rebuilding, could we see Cincinnati put together something to land Trevor Story and bring in the other side of the left side of their infield also into the NL Central uh, with maybe a package that's a little more favorable for the Reds. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Nah, dude, that ain't going to happen. The Reds, the Reds don't have it in them. I, I also agree. I do think that Colorado will entertain trades for Trevor Story. I yeah. think that the most likely candidate for that um, would would be L.A., um, now that like the price for Arenado is 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 known, like um, I think I want to say that Arenado had said that he would waive his no trade last year for the Cardinals and for the Dodgers, but it has come out yeah. that like Colorado refused to deal with LA when it came to Arenado. Um, I mean, I guess that's their prerogative, like they they aren't forced to. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that the price is out there the Dodgers may be able to just come in and be like, look, like we know you don't want to deal with us, but let us blow your doors off with a deal for story. Um, because Corey Seager is also capable of playing third base. Who's their current shortstop. So you would be able to bring Trevor story into play third, move Seager over to third with our story into play short, move Seager over to third, which they currently have a vacant spot there because they haven't resigned Justin Turner yet. Um, and Seager obviously is a capable third baseman as him and his brother both played there as they were growing up. Um, I don't know that Corey's ever played there in the majors, but I think in the minor leagues, he played third base along a shortstop, um, and they just had a need for him at shortstop. So that's where he kind of filled in. So I wonder if you would, if you see a deal like that, now that everyone knows what the cost was for Arenado, you can, you know, mimic, like, you know, assess your deal based off of that package to try to trade for Trevor Story. Um, and it's a very Dodger story. It's a very Dodgers thing to do. Yeah, like, oh, what, they they did this? All right, cool, we'll just pay more than that and we'll be fine. Um, yeah, we don't care. Yeah, the, the only two other things of note, so Atlanta, they're obviously looking to replace Marcelo Zuna in their lineup. Um, they apparently have been in talks with Baltimore regarding Trey Mancini, which... Mancini was trending in my opinion to be an absolute stud um, I think he's a big reason why Baltimore didn't like him not being there at all last year uh, as he battles his health issues 
was a huge reason why Baltimore wasn't a bigger contender. Um, I mean, Baltimore, I think, only finished a handful of games below 500. Um, I think Toronto made the playoffs right above 500. So a couple games here or there, I think if Trey Mancini's in their lineup, that offense looks a little different. He obviously produces. Um, so that could also be a splash that Atlanta needs. Um, if the universal DH ends up being a thing, then you have the ability to like not need to play him out in the outfield as he's kind of getting his health back in order. Um, from everything that I've read, he's recovering pretty well. I think I don't I don't want to say like he beat what's going on. Um, I'm pretty sure it was cancer related. Um, but I know like the last really story I read about it, it was a positive update. Um, and Atlanta seems to be interested in him. So I guess that's a good thing. It's not like he's done with baseball for good. Yeah. Um, so ho- hopefully, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Um, and then last but not least, um, obviously as we get more into the trade and what the Cardinals have done, it makes it relatively apparent that Colton Wong no longer has a spot here in St. Louis. Um, Unless it's on a stellar deal. Yeah. I, yeah it, unless, it, he, it, unless he really drops his own market. And... Yeah, it, it would be odd. Um, I So the they didn't say like any – like there's really no documentation or stories like regarding any one particular team, but they did throw out like his market seems to be heating up with him drawing interest from as many as six teams. And in those six teams, St. Louis was included – um, the others were Detroit, Seattle, Tampa Bay, the Cubs, and the Phillies. Um, I don't know who the Phillies had placed second last year. I want to say I think a lot of it was like Scott Kingery. Um, but I could be forgetting some that they had there. Because uh, I think Cesar Hernandez was already gone. Um, so, like, they, they could need him. Like, if they bring in a brand new middle infield. Uh Tampa Bay loves getting Cardinals players and then them being successful. True. So, True. so, so that could always be a thing. Um, um, and then I, I, I feel like Chicago's in the middle, like they're kind of in, in a restructure. I don't want to call it a rebuild, a restructure, maybe a rebuild. They're probably going to have a down year. Chicago's probably in great shape until this trade happened. Like, they probably would have competed with the Cardinals, but now I don't think they will. Um, there's also talk of, like, them still potentially dealing Hendricks and Bryant. Um, so, who knows? Yeah, the Cardinals might be just have the division locked up for the next, you know, Yeah, like, years. It's, it's just going to be, yeah, it's just going to be a matter of, like, the Cardinals are going to go 16-2 and against everyone in their division, so they're going to win by default because they're just going to win, you know, 60 games against the NL Central. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, and then it's like uh, Detroit, like I, it would be, like I think if, he gets, if he's going to go to Detroit, it would be because he's getting a butt ton of money. Um, <laughs> Seattle, I think, would be an interesting fit for him. Um, they're kind of up and coming. Um, it, would, it would be dependent on what kind of deal he signs there um i would think detroit would potent would probably be like a one-year contract for a decent amount of money just trying to play his way into a contract but i would think he could do that same thing with tampa bay or philly and be in a much better situation um 
I think being a Cub would be kind of rough seeing the, the moves that the Cardinals just made and like have them run away with the division and like they opted to decline having you on their team. Yeah, uh, and you got to come in here and lose all the time. Yeah, I, I would I would personally try to avoid it. I'd I'm not that strong will. Yeah, I'm not that strong will. So. You know, go get your money. But I don't think Colton Wong's that strong willed either because he's yeah. like a little crybaby about his like coach already. So like yeah. we know he's not going to Kansas City because he won't play very well there. So right, but yeah. Um. So yeah. So that that's all I had in terms of hot stove stuff. Um. There was there was one article I want to touch on real quick. If we have time, we can circle back, but I at least want to call note to it. Um, so MLB.com, they posted an article about one current player each team wishes they had back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I agree with either one of the decisions that they made um, for our teams. So okay. I didn't I didn't really look too much into it, like, Basically, all of my downtime was putting together Nolan Arenado trade thoughts and then the expansion I, stuff that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get into it too much. But I know we're both pretty big on Lance Lynn. Um, and like that, like that has, like it, it definitely would be a good fit, especially right now. But I think that they mm-hmm. could have put together a package for Lynn and opted not to. So... I, I feel like it's it's very situational that like oh well you only you only wish that they had Lance Lynn because they're dealing with like the Severino injury and the Domingo Herman suspension and all this and that it's like if if those things weren't the scenario like if you would have foreseen that that was gonna happen then sure yeah you wish we had Lance Lynn back but not knowing those things like I think they made the right decision. Um, I don't know, dude. I think we should always want Lance Lynn back for the money he's willing to sign for and the quality of pitching and things you're going to get out of him. Like, and, I think you should always want that back. And I and I don't disagree with it. And it's not that uh, it's not that I don't think the we Yankees would be better. Praise for the man. Yeah, it's not that I don't think the Yankees wouldn't be better if Lance Lynn were a part of the rotation. I just don't know if like that's the one guy that. The, you know, like they should wish that they had back. Um, you know, and like, like I didn't, I didn't do research, but it just like, I was very lukewarm on that, that I was like, all right, I could see that argument, but I'm not like, oh man, they're totally right. Like, I totally wish that that was the, the guy that they had. Um, I mean, Brett Gardner's another good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really the one player they wish they, they should have back is like 2017 Gary Sanchez. Like if they could get that guy back, they would win a ring. So like that, that would be great. Um, (laughs) And then for the Cardinals, it was Randy Rosarena. And I felt like this is a very much like, what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, I personally think like, I, I don't know the likelihood of Voight being able to play outfield. I know the Yankees have talked about it, and then they just obviously were able to settle him into a position where he was playing first. But that, I think, is a bigger addition that, like, if you could put Voight out in right field and he's serviceable, having his bat in the lineup has been far more consistent. Like, Randy Rosarena had two really good playoff series. He had one really good game in the World Series, and he was irrelevant for the regular season. Like, yeah, he had an outstanding say, playoffs, and that was it. Like, would, he didn't do shit during would, the regular season. 
I would say even just keeping Luke Voigt at first base and never having to needed to sign Paul Goldsmith, which is now you have another, you know, $25 million, whatever Paul Goldsmith's making a year that you've technically freed up and you just brought in Arenado. So now you have a stud first baseman. Um, so your infield set again, and now you have a little bit of more money to spend um, as you kind of obviously have a deficit at True. second base and you probably could spread some wealth in the outfield. So I would agree really True. for the contract reasons. Right. Um, I just think like Goldschmidt to me, he's been like the one staple in the lineup the last two years. So yeah. like I, like I was like, all right, like I could see the argument. Like if you brought Voight back, you would assume Goldschmidt wasn't around. So it was like trying to find a home, a home, like a scenario where Voight's on the team and Goldschmidt is also still there. Um, now, granted, if you didn't trade Voight, then you don't have, um, I always forget which one it is. Is it Genesis Cabrera that they got in that deal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know Chase and Shreve also came over, trip. but um, he obviously wasn't the marquee pickup in that. Cabrera was, um, and he has been very stellar out of the bullpen so far. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, so it's, you know, I, so I don't know what all went into it. And they just talked about when when I read the article and like the players that they picked for those two, they just talked about like what they have been doing. And there was like a Rosarena had not seen any playoffs and like he, you know, hit the cover off the ball in the postseason. And the Cardinals have this outfield that didn't really produce all that well. But at the same time, like you still have, you know, like you still have Dylan Carlson, you still have Lane Thomas. So unless like you think that like a Rosarine is going to beat out one of them, which I don't think long-term he will, they're in a better spot. Like, and that's why a Rosarena was the one that they dealt because they had this log jam of guys. Um, cause even still like Bader, I think is very, very good defensively. Um, he just got to figure it out at the plate. And once he can be serviceable at the plate, like productive outs, even, um, you know, just gets the strikeouts under, underway you know like could start hitting for hits um just better contact maybe spraying the ball like maybe he needs to hang out with LeMayhew for an offseason um like once he gets you know his average up a little bit he's going to be able to run so like even if he's not hitting for power like he just got to put the ball in play like balls hitting the hole you know, like deep to short or you know even like up the middle that are fielded by infielders Bader will beat that shit out more often than he won't so yeah. I just don't think a Rosarena like is the answer because I don't think he has the power that the Cardinals really lack. Um, and I think that Voight would bring that um, uh, again. Like it was just at first glance and I don't really have anyone better than Lynn off the top of my head. Um, Cause I don't know like what some of the young guys, like we kind of just recently parted ways with a couple <laughs> of them. Like I think Jorge Mateo could end up being a big thing. Um, and they, like, they just traded him and I wasn't very happy about that. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but he hasn't done anything in the majors. So I can't really say that's where it is, but I don't think the team, I don't think the Yankees win a world series of Lance Lentz part of the rotation, you know, kind of thing. So they're definitely better given the current circumstance. So maybe Lance Lentz is the best option, but either way, I just wanted to at least call note to it. I thought it was an interesting read. Um, some of the other teams were much better represented than our two were. Um, but if if some if you're looking for time to kill, you can go that route. Uh, where are we at? We're a little over 30 minutes. Um, all right, so I'm going to knock out the Yankees real quick because they didn't do much. 
Then we'll talk about the news from MLB um, regarding the upcoming season, and then we'll get into the Cardinals. Sound good? Got it. Got it. All right. Um, so obviously last week we talked about the Yankees traded out of Vino, and it was basically just the way to shed payroll. And I was like, cool, they have this extra cap room to play with kind of thing. Um, luxury tax room, don't call it cap, but luxury tax, which teams treat like a salary cap. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Bullpen's really what they have left to fix up. Um, so they went out, they signed Darren O'Day, um, who's kind of like the equivalent of Adam Adovino. Um, kind of a funky-ish delivery sidearm pitcher but a big sweeping slider, same thing out of Vino had. He's right-handed, same as out of Vino. Sandwich as well between Chapman and uh, Zach Britton. Just a completely different look. Like you get Britton's, you know, sinker in the seventh. You get O'Day's sidearm slider from the right side in the eighth. And then you get Chapman throwing missiles in the ninth from the left side. It's just a very intricate, like, interesting bing bang boom left right left combo at the back end of the of the bullpen so i like to pick up um not to mention that his numbers were better than out over the last two years um and he and he signed for like two and a half million whereas out was going to make nine so kind of the same picture but for way cheaper so i was i was very happy with that signing um you can't be mad yeah, like it. I, I again, like adding Darren O'Day isn't going to win the Yankees a World Series. It's not going to lose them a World Series either, most likely. Um, I think he'll be serviceable. It'll be exactly what he needs, and it's going to be what Adovino was. But they managed to get the same kind of guy for seven million dollars less. If he all if he holds innings in the World Series, then he's winning you a World Series. True. True. Is that big? We'll have to remember if he's like holds two or three games in a row. We're like, there it is. That look at that deal. We talked about that episode 38. But. For sure. Any, anyone on, on the roster could step up, have big games and could be responsible for a team advancing, you know, whatever. Um, you know, think of it like uh, Scott Spezio, like he had, you know, big hits, you know, for the Cardinals in postseasons where they, you know, went on to do good things. So the, the crazy of people can can contribute. Um, shit, when the Yankees won in 09, uh, Jabba Chamberlain made made Headlines. some key starts oh for, my God, dude. for the Yankees you in that thought, scenario. You would have thought Jabba Cham- Chamberlain was like God. The future. Yeah, the future mm. for sure. Um, so yeah, so so anyone can anyone can step up. It's uh so not not gonna say that he he can't and he certainly could lose us a World Series. Um, I just don't I don't think he will. Uh, I think he it'll be a a solid pickup. Um, I don't think it'll be like a situation where like he doesn't let up a run all year and he's just like the best reliever, you know whatever. Um, but I think he'll be very serviceable. I think it'll be on par if not better than what you were gonna get from Adovino, just for less money. So it's the same type of role uh, from you know just a. A gritty veteran bullpen guy um, that can face righties and lefties, and just two million versus nine, so right. a, a good a good deal. Um, I still they're kind of in the same boat 
we talked about it last week. Um, the what's next, it's really just at this point upgrading maybe bench options, um, maybe adding another starting pitcher if the right deal comes along, um, bringing in additional pieces for the bullpen. But I think we're we're starting to kind of see the, the shape that the team's going to take for the upcoming season. Um, well, with, the, with maybe the exception, like, I think the only thing that would be really like a, a head turner would be if they if they added another starting pitcher like if they brought in like uh, Chris Archer or you know, like a Cole Hamels or something on like a one year deal similar to what they're doing with Kluber, that would be the only splash I could see them making. Otherwise, it might just be like a serviceable like I don't think they're gonna go out and get like a Trevor Rosenthal, you know, or anything at this point in terms of a bullpen guy. <clears throat> I don't think you want Trevor Rosenthal, dude. You'll be all right. You'll be all right without Trevor Rosen. Yeah, um, um, I agree. Um, so, <clears throat> I know we also got into it last week where the uh, MLB had proposed a deal that saw uh, expanded playoffs, but with the Universal DH and the MLBPA nixed that deal. Um I don't think it was very clear in terms of like why they didn't want to do it. Um, but like it, it just, I guess it seemed like it, it, they weren't really getting anything as valuable as the additional money that the owners were making from the expanded postseason. Um, so it, it, it was, it is what it is and they declined it. Um, so now, Apparently, there's reports that came out, and the MLBPA are considering this new offer uh, that was proposed by the league, which it wasn't like an immediate rejection. So I guess like the the time frame in which it's being considered is lengthier than what other ones have been in the past. So I guess there's at least forward progress in that regard. Um, but the MLB owners have proposed a 154-game schedule, so it would be removing eight games off the schedule. Um and that would include an expanded postseason, which would be 14 teams instead of 16 like it was last year. Um, the new season, it would push the start of spring training back a month. So it's supposed to start February 27th. This would instead take place starting March 28th. And opening day would be moved back from March 30th to April 28th. Um, the regular season, it would be expanded by a week on the back end. Um, but it's presumed that because they're basically starting it a month later and only expanding it a week, so there's three weeks that you're losing and you're only removing eight games, so there's essentially two weeks of games that you aren't accounting, like that you are that you need to jam into the rest of the season somewhere. So it would probably include naturally scheduled doubleheaders and that those doubleheaders would be played under the same rules as last year, that they would be seven innings apiece. Um, the extra innings rule would be in in effect still with a man starting on second to try to condense how long games go uh, because they're going to try to operate on like a more minimal roster amount. Um, and then that uh, the universal DH would also be included into the package. Um, it didn't specify that, but it was like the presumed assumption is that all of these things would just be rolled in. Um, players would still get their full pay for the 154 games um, that get played, and then obviously there would probably be bonuses that are worked in for the playoffs and whatnot. 
but they don't expect it starting any later than that. Um, and apparently the, the season cannot be delayed without consent from the players union as well. Um, or they can't have like, so if the players don't agree to anything, then games have to start as scheduled basically. Um, and that was apparently like, uh, uh, you know, addendum that existed in the agreement last year to, to postpone the season. And when they agreed to resign, like, that's what it was. It's like, you guys can't just then make the decision to postpone the start of the year again, like without us signing off on it. Not to say that they wouldn't anyway, because obviously the pandemic's still, still kind of a thing. But if they expand it by one month, I mean, I know even like around here, you know, there are 1,400 people that were just, you know, given the vaccine. I don't, I know it's not an answer, but at least it's a step in the right direction. And you can start get start to get to a point where fans can attend games. Obviously, the Blues have, you know, small amounts of fans in the stands now for their upcoming home stretch for their those four games. So things are moving in the right direction, but it seems promising that baseball will at least have a closer to normal schedule length uh, compared to what they've what they dealt with last year. So that's good. Yeah, if they push it back, they'll be like a week off of our one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Um, and it'll oh. for for me it'll probably mean. So if if they if they come out and say that we're push they're pushing opening day back and this is what gets agreed upon, then I will probably push back our draft day. Um, if it doesn't come out, probably like the next two weeks, like as spring training starts up, um, I'll probably just set our draft day and we'll move forward with it, whatever for the fantasy league. But more yeah. to come on okay. that. Yeah. Nolan Arenado, first pick. <laughs> Uh, he probably will go hella early because hella early. everyone Cardinals. everyone loves them loves them some Cardinals in my <laughs> fantasy league. Yeah, yeah, I might I might try to like snatch a guy, but uh, yeah, I won't be. Yeah, uh, I I will say so if you can't get like uh an everyday starter, like the the bench guy type roles don't really matter. Um. I find having the closer for my team is very nerve wracking. I don't like that, but I, I, so I found the sweet spot to be one starting pitcher, get one starting pitcher from your team. So you have a rooting interest in one out of every five games of your team playing. And you don't feel like it's detrimental to your, to your fancy team if they struggle for a game. So, yeah, like I know you've done fantasy sports. Obviously, you were, you know, you're a huge Buffalo Bills fan now, and that came on the back of you having a wide receiver and quarterback, or was it quarterback and running back? Uh, well, and yeah, in one league I had a quarterback, running back, and the other league I had quarterback, wide receiver. Gotcha. So it was all three. So big Bills. If I would have had quarterback, if I would have had quarterback, wide receiver in the money league, we would have been cashed out this year. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, so. So I guess that'll that'll bring us to the Cardinals. There there are more things to talk about than just the trade. Um, sure. So we'll so we'll get sure. with the first signing that the Cardinals made this offseason, and that is bringing back old Uncle Charlie, and you know signing Adam Wainwright. Um, yeah, which is a huge, which honestly is a huge move, especially for his deal, um, and sh- should not be overshadowed by the uh, eventual move. 
long for the holding it up but glad it's over with all right so i i don't know like i know you were cutting out my headphones you but... were just cutting out on mine okay so it might have just been me so hopefully everyone heard what you just said but i didn't hear what you just said <laughs> uh, no, I was say not really to be like overshadowed because uh, Wayne Wright's deal coming back to the team should be a pretty big deal. Um, just really surprising to look at the actual deal that was done, which is pretty much what on par with what you thought would have been done. That it took this long to do it. Um, so interesting, but everything comes down. You know. Yeah, he so he got a raise. I, so I, I guess I shouldn't say he got a raise. Under he got a raise in terms of his base salaries higher. Um, he had mm -hmm. signed for just five million for 2020. This base salary is eight million. His incentives, which were much easier to hit last year because they were strictly based on appearances, he could have made an additional five million, so he would have been at ten. And this he could make an additional three million, so it could be eleven million. But the incentives that he has are it. If he were, if he, if he gets paid 11 million, you're going to be very happy with what it is. Um, so, like I said, it's the 8 million base salary. He gets 500k if he wins the Cy Young. He gets another 50k each if he is World okay. Series MVP. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so 50k each for World Series MVP, the LCS MVP divisional MVP gold glove and all-star and he gets 25 K if he wins the silver slugger for pitchers, which may not even be an option um, if they have the universal DH. So basically for him to get a million or for him to make 11 million this lat, like this season, it would mean that he was your most valuable player in every playoff round. He won the gold glove for pitching. He was an all-star and he won the Cy Young. So if you get a Cy Young caliber performance out of Adam Wainwright for $11 million, you're going to be pretty hey. okay with that. <laughs> hey, it's it's Adam Wainwright's farewell tour, dude. You never yeah. know. He might no. just do teams dirty. No, I, I agree. I'm just saying, like, if, so if you get that sort of production from him, you're very happy with $11 million yeah. spent. Yeah. I think realistically, you're probably more like he's probably not going to get any of those things. He'll probably have a, a strong year. Maybe he's an all-star because um, – you know, that's just voted on by, like, the players or coaches for pitching staff. So I could see him winning an all-star. Um, he feels his position just fine, so maybe he gets a gold glove. So, But even that, that's like an extra 100 k which is a small drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things. Um, but with with that being said, like, you're he was probably easily going to hit, you know, I think, like, at least, like, the second tier of a bonus um last year which would have put him around like that eight million mark um i think it was like 1.5 million if he hit uh 20 starts 1.5 million if he hit 25 starts and then another 2 million if he hit 30 starts um so maybe he wouldn't have made it to the 30 but that would have put him at 8 million so that's just the base salary that he has this year so he's probably making about the same as what he would have made last year the difference is that if he were to get hurt, say, for some reason, it's still costing you $8 million, whereas last year it only would have cost you five. So in that sense, it's a little riskier from the Cardinals' side uh, because it's $8 million no matter what. So we'll we'll see 
how it plays out, but I think it's uh has high upside and it, it fills a void that they needed still for this year, especially given that uh you know they they traded away who I thought was going to be the likely candidate to get a, a rotation spot, um, even with Wainwright coming back. So with Gomber being gone, I think it's even more relevant that you have Wainwright. Um, cause I don't know who their fifth starter is going to be now. Yeah. Um, rumor mill. So the other legacy player, it's expected that they're going to get a decision on Yachty in the near future. He's playing in the Caribbean series, or maybe he's just, at the Caribbean series, I don't know, hanging out, taking Instagram pics. No, I don't no, know. He's, he's playing. He's playing. He was DHing in one of the games. Gotcha. Um, uh, or he was DHing, batting lineup. Yeah, he he plays a lot of positions. On yeah. The so, line. so I I would imagine like that they're so they expect a decision to come from him. Um, I think that the where the decision stands is that they they're offering a one year deal instead of the two year deal. And I think that there's no budge on that. So it's just whether or not he wants to come back for one final year with Wainwright or not. It's probably what's in there. Um, everything that I've read is that everyone fully expects him to be back because he wants to play again. Um, and I, I would think that just a player of his caliber, a player that's as beloved by the fans here in St. Louis as they are, that he would want everyone to know this is his final hurrah. Like I would hate, like I couldn't imagine like if I just didn't know that I was witnessing Derek Jeter's last game. And I imagine that Derek Jeter is to me that yet what a Yadier Molina is for a lot of guys that are my age as Cardinals fans. Um, So I I would think that he would want everyone to know that like, this is the last time you're going to see him behind the plate. This is the last bat you see him taking as a Cardinal. And it wouldn't just be like unexpected. Oh, all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not playing anymore, which is why it would be really terrible in a sense that like, if, like if, if say it were to be a scenario where like they sign him to a two year deal and then the CBA falls through and all of a sudden all of his things are the like 2022 doesn't happen. And then at that point he just doesn't, he doesn't want to come back from a year off and his last game ended up happening without anyone realizing it was his last game. Like that would just be terrible. So I hope for his sake, that they're able to work something out, come back on a one year. So he can kind of get the farewell from Cardinals fans that he deserves. Um, and hopefully towards the end of the season, they're at least able to get some sort of capacity of fans in there. Um, you know, so he can experience, you know, as standing or like Wayne Wright's last trip off the mound, you know, whatever. Um, in the World Series when he when they win it all. Well, and do you honestly when they win it all? Do you obviously think or do you honestly think Yadier Molina could let Adam Wainwright ride out on the Cardinals sunset without him catching literally every pretty much every game that Adam Wainwright pitched? You know, like I I highly doubt that's um, not going to happen too. So I'd expect whenever this Caribbean series is wrapped up that. That deal's done. I was actually sitting here trying to see. I thought the Caribbean series might be pretty close to wrapped up. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's. No, uh, I think it's a yeah, pretty but, short thing. It might have just been like over the weekend or whatever. But he he just may not be back yeah. yet. I don't I don't know. Well, they were playing. Maybe they in the, won and he's celebrating. I don't I say, know. I know they were playing in the championship. Um, let's see who won. Mm-hmm. Panama versus Mexico. I don't know. You would think it'd be pretty easy to find this, but I I would think that if those are the teams, Panama probably definitely won. 
but I I would I don't know because like, I think he he's Puerto Rican, right? Well, here we go. Yearly results. Twenty twenty host first place the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, okay. Yeah, second place Venezuela, third place Mexico, fourth place Puerto Rico, and uh, fifth place Panama. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Dominican Republic was like the main team to kind of have MLB players play. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if Puerto Rico finished fourth. So. Not that they aren't they aren't a good team, but yeah. Puerto Rico's a pretty big powerhouse in the like World Baseball Classic. So them finishing like behind Mexico and Venezuela is surprising. But upsets happen obviously. Otherwise True. the Yankees would win the World Series every year. All the time, dude. Yeah. It wouldn't even be a question. We wouldn't even play the game. Yeah, right. I know. It'll just be like, hey, here you go, take your trophy. I'm like, all right, appreciate it'd a, it. It'd be a crap. Yeah, appreciate you. Um, so yeah, so last thing I'll say, I just want everyone to know that I put in a ton of effort and have some awesome expansion ideas. So we may or may not get to talk about them tonight. Um, if we don't, spent, if we I spent don't, not a lot of time thinking about that. By the way, no, it's fine. You 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 <laughs> had you had something else going on. Um, I. I think it's a very interesting conversation, so I want to give it its due diligence. Chances are we probably won't get into it tonight. Um, I would think that the the Arenado trade will probably be our last topic. Um, we're right around like 54 minutes so far, so it might be one of our shorter episodes. Um, but I think the expansion talk and like what that could mean and just like redrawing divisions and the leagues and making changes to the structure of the MLB in general um, – could be a very interesting conversation and it could be a good episode. So as things start to slow down, especially if baseball is going to be postponed a month. Yeah. It, it could be, up, dude. <laughs> yeah, it could content. be, it could be an entire episode in its own. Um, so we can, we can get into that, but I just wanted everyone to know, cause we talked about, we were going to cover it this week. I wanted everyone to know I did my homework, even with everything else going on. So <clears throat> good for you, Spags, you know? Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Be proud man. of yourself, dude. Thanks, I am. Just I pat him, pat yeah. him on my back. Um, yeah, so yeah, trying to just impress <laughs> Veronica Vaughn, dude. <laughs> dude, your homework. So I dude, want to touch the high knee. If there was a boy in class that you really liked, who would that be? What man. about Billy? <laughs> that Veronica Vaughn. Is. <laughs> it's one fine piece of ace. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I would know because I know a guy. Him and her got it on. No, they didn't. No, no they didn't. Uh, classic, dude. Yeah. You should be able to quote those movies. Yeah. Just an easy Tell quote. your wife, man. She needs to know. Yeah. She knew uh, D wears P, though. So. <laughs> D wears P. Have you seen it? Uh, <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah. We can, I can get sidetracked by movie quotes all the time so yeah so so without further ado 
um the reason behind our name of the name of this episode our our 38th episode uh a few less do nothings which last week's was the doers and the do nothings <laughs> uh so now we have a few less do nothings uh cubs made a move um you know phillies made some moves uh Cleveland's making some moves. Two guys, yeah, not yeah. just, you know. Baltimore, Baltimore decided that maybe they should do something in the ALE, so they added a guy. So dude, a few, a few last Galvis, do-nothings. Dude. Can we speak of that real quick? Poor Freddie Galvis. What is he doing taking one year, one and a half million in Baltimore? Oh, man. Well, Baltimore's like, we can't afford to pay anybody. And Philadelphia's open job. They were no longer hiring. Minnesota's no longer hiring. Toronto's no longer hiring. Like, it's hard times when you're the fifth or sixth middle infielder to sign in the last seven days. Yeah. Like, it just, it's rough doing. And Baltimore's like, you can come play for us. (laughs) We got a spot. We got a jersey for you. And he's like, hey, I would play any position that Baltimore Orioles wanted me to play. Because playing baseball for the Baltimore Orioles is better than not playing baseball at all. So, you sure. know, good, good on him. You know, I yeah, it's really hard to be like, oh, what a what a shitty deal. You only got one and a half million dollars. <laughs> but you know, like when Toronto signed Simeon for eighteen million for one year deal, it's a little uh, it's got to be a tough pill to swallow at some point. Yeah. So. Yeah. But all right. Um. On to uh, to what pays the bills. <laughs> Dude, what here a one cardinal way? Yeah. <clears throat> um. So the Cardinals did a thing. It's been in the works for uh, for a little bit. Mo's finally tired of listening. He's Gersh, finally tired of getting yelled at. Gersh getting things done. Yeah, yo, that is true, dude. I need to look it up and see who really got it done, Mo or Gersh, because I'm going to continue just giving it to Mo. Yeah, Mo, I understand. You know, got promoted. Gersh is supposed to be doing it, but I got a feeling Gersh ain't doing shit still. So, so it actually, like, it, it makes me think, because I honestly don't know the answer to this question. I'm pretty sure Brian Cashman is actually the GM for the Yankees, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that for sure. So I'm looking it up right now, actually, because, like, it's like situations like I always call like I always call like Theo Epstein the GM of the Cubs and he wasn't like Jed Hoyer was. Um, we always refer to him as Zaylock when we're talking about deals that the Cardinals are making, even though he is not the GM of the Cardinals. Gersh is. Yeah. Um, so looks like Brian McGuire Cashman McGuire is his middle name. I didn't know that. Um, nice. He has served as the general manager and senior vice president of the Yankees since 1998. Um, so he is still the current uh, general manager for the Yankees. So the next question is, it's probably going to be George Steinbrenner, but we'll look it up anyway. New York Yankees, president of baseball operations, operations. or director, whatever. Okay. I would like to know. Not, not general manager. Do they not have? Uh, 
what's on here? They don't have a president of baseball <laughs> it do- operation? It doesn't look like it. Um, they yeah. have a... So may I could I could see that it's the that it's Randy Levine, but he's just listed as president, um, mm-hmm. not of anything in particular. Like he's just president. This is the title. This is his title, and it's Randy Levine Esquire. I didn't know that was a thing either. That he had a title like that. What a nerd. So yeah, so I would guess that that would be who it is. Um. Yeah, Brian Cashman probably probably just wears the pants in that uh, relationship. You know? Weird. Probably so, one of those. He's, he's making all the moves. How pissed off would you have to be if you were, if you're Hal Steinbrenner? So the principal owner of the New York Yankees is still George M. Steinbrenner the third, even though he's not alive. It's like he didn't actually give the team to Hal and Hank. He just said like, "Hey, you guys can be co-chairpersons for." Yeah, you know, the team, but they're still mine. My name's still on the owner line. That's that's uh, fucked that up. Team, team's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. All right. So anyway, back to it now. Uh, so yeah. So so Gersh getting the job done. Gersh getting it done, my boy Gersh. Cardinals have a new starting third baseman. Um, it's pretty big deal. Kind of, kind of a big deal. Um, everyone should know him i so i have to say at face value so we we looked at this a little bit earlier before we started we kind of went through so the rockies did get five players in exchange for nolan arenado um but the the rockies are also sending um reportedly about 50 million dollars in cash as well uh, which is a ton of money in the grand scheme of things, it's about one and a half seasons, a little over one and a half seasons. Um, for uh, it's about one and two thirds seasons, I guess, of um, Arenado's salary. He's going to be making about thirty-five million a year, like thirty to thirty-five million a year on average over the next six seasons. I think is what's left. Yep. Um. So it was four prospects and one major league level talent. Um, that's what we were talking about. Austin Gomber got dealt. I anticipated him filling out a rotation spot. Uh, he was very stellar in the in the starting role down the stretch in 2020. Um, so I don't know who that'll go to. Um, they have other options, obviously, but yeah, that I, I think Alex Reyes gets a first crack yeah, at it. Um, I've kind of been waiting for him. Reyes. I mean, you still have Carlos Martinez. Um, hmm. It's like there's they're still, uh, still a handful of guys. Uh, Ponce de Leon's still down there. Uh, but like I said, like, I, I think it, I think the addition of Wayne right now strengthens the fact that they were able to include someone like Gomber in the package um, because you only have one question mark to fill right now. Um, after 2021, it gets a little dicier. Um Obviously, Wainwright's probably going to be gone, but who knows? He could be the Tom Brady of MLB. Um, <laughs> he did just sign a new deal with the St. Louis Blues, so who knows? True. Um, True. So, so you could have him come back, but I think the only pitchers that are under contract for 2022 that are slated for the starting rotation in 2021 
are Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis. Um, I believe Kim only signed a two-year deal. Two-year. Um, and then Wainwright obviously would be a free agent. And then unknown for who the new, the fifth pitcher will be. If it were to go to the most experienced, that would be Carlos Martinez right now, who is also a free agent after 2021. Um, you would be getting Dakota Hudson back, but he'll be coming back from Tommy John surgery. So you don't really know what you're going to get. Although nowadays it's usually more successful than not. Um, yeah, and he'll have a long still recovery time. Yeah. Right. Cause I think he, I think he had it like in August or September. So yeah. his one year would be the end of this season. Um, so he'll get, he'll get the recovery time. I would imagine they probably won't stretch him out to try to get him into at the major league level. Um, unless like they're hurting for bullpen help or something, but I doubt it. Um, so he'll probably maybe start to throw and everything, get on a throwing program, maybe try to get back to some level of throwing. So his off season progresses as like his normal, like, Hey, this is what we're going to have you do. Like he doesn't need to ramp up earlier or anything like that. Um, like he can just shut down for the start of the off season and then, you know, rest again and then start his workout, his off season regimen uh, to be ready for the following, the following spring training would be my assumption. Um, so that, that to me is the only portion of this that hurts initially. Um, obviously the four prospects could end up being big deals. Um, I know we had talked, like I kind of made a point that the initial package that they had, the Cardinals have pretty decent third baseman prospects. Um, and the packages initially being reported didn't include any of them. Um, this actually did include one of them, but it was the third of the three best that they have. Um, so I would have anticipated Nolan Gorman being a portion of that package. He was not. Um, I think it's also fitting that Jordan Walker could have been a portion of that package. He also was yeah. not included. Yeah. How many, how many third basemen can you not talk the Cardinals out of? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, you can't have that guy. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it. really weird. Like I, I would assume I, I have to assume so the the not including Gorman means one of two things for me either a the possibility of Arenado opting out is a very real fear in the eyes of the Cardinals and they want to have a future still behind him so like okay if Arenado opts out what do we do okay we have Gorman it'll be fine if say Arenado doesn't opt out well at this point then you have gorman to be able to deal to fill a void somewhere else um because he's on the verge of being major league ready like if he wasn't called up this year it probably would have been he would have been the heir apparent if Arenado didn't come in yeah Yeah. like he it would have been his job to lose for 2022 um if Arenado sticks around then you're looking at six years so that would put uh, Jordan Walker to be like 24 probably a little later than you'd like him to make his debut so maybe they try to find him a, a playing spot elsewhere um, it's also possible that towards the end of the contract the universal DH is just a regular thing and Arenado becomes like your the DH if he loses a step or his glove isn't just what it used to be and you start to get playing time that way for Walker you know as a 22 23 year old 
now he's getting that major league experience he's getting that exposure and you're setting him up to enter free agency and like his year 28 year 29 type year that a lot of guys hit their prime um it takes something someone special to start the clock at 21 and you know play get to their six-year mark so it it's not too far off that walker would be the heir for arenado it would just be a weird like first couple years that you're like you you would essentially find walker in the same situation that like uh Carson Kelly was in that Andrew Kisner's in now that Avon Herrera will likely be in because Yadier Molina is going to play for eight more years. Um, so it, it, it's weird that they didn't include him, but because of that, I feel like that's the only reason why the opt out fear is real is because they kept Gorman. Um, yeah, that they, they didn't want to include him in the deal. I mean, you didn't think it'd have to be, but it would also it's probably a bargaining chip in general. Like, hey, if he doesn't agree to waive it, then like you're not getting access to these players. Correct. Like, you know, like right. that's not going to happen. He agrees to waive it, we'll then, talk. Right. And then if we that can, don't happen. We look at don't different. even look at him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that'd be a pretty like whether you thought he was going to leave or not. I don't think you should. You know, if if there was any option, cause it's, it's not the Cardinals option. Obviously they'll probably love, they'll figure out how to pay him 35 million. Right. Having too many to. third basemen is yeah. a much better issue than not having a third baseman. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and like I said, like good, if he, good trade. yeah, like if he doesn't, if he doesn't, experience. yeah, like if he doesn't opt out, then you have Gorman to be able to deal. And if he does opt out, then you have Gorman to be able to play and Walker was your contingency plan. So it makes sense to me, but, I, I feel like the that aspect of the trade is that the Cardinals understand that there's a very real possibility that he opts out, which is one of my four ways that this trade could end up being shitty for the Cardinals, is if Arenado were to leave after the 2021 opt-out, or with what's being rumored, the second opt-out being put in place, but we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, so, Eli Harris Montero was the, the third base prospect. I don't want to say, like, we we can word it that he's the Cardinals' third best third baseman prospect. He's also their eighth best prospect. So it's not like it's – they're just loaded at third base. Um, so it's kind of six of one, half dozen of another. Gorman was number two. Jordan Walker's number six. Montero's number eight. Um, yeah, it's studs at third base. Yeah, so it – I, I don't know that there's a huge difference between Gorman and Montero at two and at, at eight. Um, I think Gorman's just closer to being major league ready and that plays a big portion of it. Um, but at the same time, Walker's further away and he's ranked higher. So maybe it doesn't, I don't really know. Um, obviously it's not a perfect science. So it's not a, a not a bad option that a couple years down the road as they do their rebuild, this would be their future third baseman. Um, it also included, uh, Tony Losey, which we looked up, um, people were relatively high on him as a starting pitcher throws pretty hard. Um, I think that was the, the starter, right. That we looked at, um, yep. that pitched for university 90. of Georgia. Yeah. Could like, hit, could hit him some 98. Yeah. They throws, throws the fastball hard, has a couple pitches off of it. Um, they said he could develop a changeup, but he never really needed it as a power pitcher in college. If he were to pitch out of the bullpen, he'd probably be like a hundred mile per hour guy in shorter stints. Uh, but he keeps his fastball velocity around like 98 
uh, pretty consistently as a starter. That's major league level stuff. Um, so it, it could could work out. Um, I think he was like a, a number 16 on the prospect list. Uh, they ranked the top 30. So decent option. Um, uh, Mateo Gill is like, I think, kind of their diamond in the rough. Um, he hasn't played above like rook, like high rookie ball, uh, but apparently he had a huge rookie season in 2019 at the age of 18. Um, and they're expecting him like his ETA, according to like the baseball prospectus is 2022 as well. So they're saying that he can make major league impact, you know, just two years from now as a 21 year old. Um, and he's a shortstop. So if they have Montero and Gill, make it to the majors, they could just have the next Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. Um, if it works out that way. Well, you're hoping. Yeah, so I think that that's what they're banking on. Um, and then I think uh, Jake Summers is kind of the throw-in extra. Like, they're probably like, hey, can we get can we get Summers too? And they're like, they're like yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Hey, if we get a fourth guy, <laughs> it might not look as bad that we didn't yeah. get uh, Nolan Gorman or Jordan Walker. <laughs> right. Like, so. hey, like we can we just get a fourth guy. Yeah. Can we just take a flyer on this guy that's not even a ranked prospect for you? Um, I didn't look up much about him, but who knows? He could be the guy that's gonna, you know, end up saving fifty games for him, you know, three years from now or something like that. Um. So there's still some unknowns. Um about the deal like we talked about um it's reported that it's like around like 50 million um going from colorado to st louis i don't know we we don't know like the extent of what that money is um it's pitched as like the rockies just cut a check and they're like hey nolan give this to the cardinals when you get there um that's not really how it works um stanton it is the the best example of it so the Marlins, when they made the trade with the Yankees, they also kicked in money, but because he had an opt-out clause, if Stanton would have chosen to opt out, the Marlins would have been responsible for less money. So it's like they gave some money initially and then more money later on. Um, so I could totally see like that 50 million being something more along the lines of like, we're going to give you 15 million for 2021. If he doesn't opt out, we'll give you 15 million for 2022. If he doesn't opt out again, because there's apparently there's a second opt-out clause addendum after 2022 that doesn't exist currently, that was part of waiving his no-trade clause along with an additional 15 million dollars. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then it'd be like if he doesn't opt out after 2022, then we'll give you another 20 million. Uh, to cover the remain, like to help pay for the remaining four years. Um, or I know that there's also been talks that like he's deferring money. So that deferral yeah. could be like, Hey, we're going to defer $20 million. So after, you know, after your contracts up for four years, we'll give you $5 million a year. That money could just come from Colorado versus St. Louis deferring that money. Um, so the the it would be like the Rockies giving the Cardinals five million a year for those last four seasons, um, if he doesn't opt out, but they'll pay those after the fact or something along those lines. Um, so, so it's a way MLB, for the Cardinals to save some money. But MLB trade rumors says uh, 
Um, the team is reportedly adding another $15 million to Aeronaut's contract. As such, he'll be signed through 2027 at $214 million. The Rockies will absorb $51 million, including some in deferrals. The Rockies will pay all of Arenado's $35 million salary in 2021. Okay. So so that's a big bulk of it then. So yeah. the Cardinals so are in a situation where they're like... They're not enough for yeah. free this year. Right. Yeah. It's like it, it didn't cost us anything more than you know, Austin, Austin Gomber for, for one year for us um, is the Cardinals perspective. Um, yeah. With that being said, though, it, it does, I think, invoke one of the other aspects that this could end up being a shitty trade. Um, so don't try to tie them in bags. Don't try to tie them in like they're good ideas. You know? <laughs> so, so this is, so this is where I, I saw your sales gear used car salesmanship. Going, <laughs> so, so there were, so there were, so, so for me, like I, it's worth noting that like when I wrote this down, this is all hypothetical because the official deal wasn't known yet. So mm-hmm. anything like that, I say that like, oh, well, we know that now I will try to correct that, but I have it written down and it's a lot of information. So I don't know that, that, that that's where it'll be. Um, so I felt the main thing that needed to be pointed out was that based on all the early reports, this is absolutely a steal for the Cardinals. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know how, like, if Colorado offered this trade, I don't know how the Cardinals would ever refuse it. Um, how the Cardinals got the Rockies to agree to this is baffling to me. Um, but again, I don't watch any of these guys play. All I can go off of what the scouting report is, I'm going off of very minimal information. MLB certainly doesn't always have it right. The Rockies obviously saw value in these guys, and it was very clear that Arenado was unhappy. They were likely losing him after 2021 anyway because he was going to opt out. So this is a way of them getting five players for a guy that they weren't going to have anyway. And they were already planning on paying him $35 million for 2021. So it doesn't surprise me that they did it. They just probably could have gotten more if they dealt elsewhere, in my opinion. Um, or if they dealt from a point of strength rather than a point of weakness. So just their GM sucks, in my opinion, is, is all I'm saying. Um, so again... Uh, four ways that I came up with that this became a bad deal for the Cardinals. Uh, so one and the simplest aspect is that Arenado is a bust. Um, whether that comes in, you know, I can be plagued by injuries and you just don't really get any production out of him or he just doesn't perform well, then it, it obviously becomes a bad deal. No way you could predict these things. I don't think anyone would expect Arenado to fall off the face of the earth um, in terms of performance. And if he just gets plagued by injury, there's literally no way you could have seen that with the exception of he ended last year hurt and he sat out the last eight games of the season when the Rockies were out of it. So if you saw that as like writing on the wall that he's going to be injury prone, you know, good on you. But I don't think there's anything to suggest that. Um, Second option the prospects that the Cardinals sent over become future MVPs and Cy Young winners where like they just hit on everyone that went over there and you, yeah, you got Arenado and Arenado did his thing, but it cost you so much in hindsight that the Rockies win the deal. I, I don't know, dude. I think even in that scenario, you just look at the Cardinals and how well they draft players. You're like, that's just how good they are, you know? Yeah, but that doesn't do you any good. Like, it's not that the Cardinals got fucked over on the deal. They just didn't win the deal. Like, one team clearly got the better side of it, and it was Colorado in that aspect. Yeah, like, if you if you go back and you look at it 10 years from now, and you have 
you know, uh, Montero and Gill have both won like back to back to back gold gloves on the left side of the infield. They're both yeah. finishing top 10 as MVPs and Tony yeah. Losey won a Cy Young. You're going to be like, yeah, holy Tony shit. <laughs> but did they win a world series off of it? Um, well, so that would be the other side is if the Cardinals don't win anything, then because I'd imagine that the Rockies probably still don't even see these players best years because they'll find a way to trade them as soon as they start to look good anyway. So it won't matter. Yeah, certainly possible. Certainly possible. Um, so the, so the third option, as you, as you just hit on what, what do the Rockies do? So the Cardinals don't win any championships and they use the cost of Arenado as a crutch to not add more pieces to the team. So like they continue to treat payroll as an obstacle. So I think that mm. this is pertinent given what you just read about what's supposed to be going on with the money. So 35 of this 51 million is being paid to pay all of Arenado's 2021 salary. So, yep, you were able to add him in and it's great. All well and dandy but you're going to have a big bulk of that following that. Cause I'm assuming the other 16 million would be the deferrals. And if he sticks around and whatnot, so you're basically picking up all of his salary for the remainder of the five years. So I think they said that he added 15 million and they extended him a seventh year. So that other 15 million is pretty much the equivalent of that last year that he would still be playing. Um, so the following to so the remaining five years on the current deal, the Cardinals are flipping the bill for they're footing that bill. Um, so if they say, all right, well, we have 60 million coming off the books that we've looked at. And that being, you know, Carpenter, Fowler, Martinez, Miller, those guys all coming off the books. Well, now you add in 30 plus million of that for Arenado. Well, now half that money's gone. So you have half the budget to work with that you were expected and you added Arenado. So it was a, a huge purchase to fill the void being left by Carpenter and you're limiting yourself quite a bit to fill the other needs that you have. So you essentially are like, if the Cardinals put themselves in a place where like Kisner's our future, Carlson's our future, Thomas is our future. Like, the bullpen that we have is our future. We're going to go with Ponce de Leon. We're going to go with all these other guys. And they don't bring in pieces. And they just roll with the the fills that they have internally right now, even though they aren't that great of answers. If they all end up being hits, then perfect. But if they use the Arenado contract as reason for not adding pieces around him because they're financially restricted, then the, the Arenado trade could become a bad trade. If that makes sense. And they don't win any championships. If they if they win a championship in 2021 and they contend in 2022 and then like they kind of fall off the wayside on the back end, then the trade did exactly what you wanted it to do. You won a championship. Yeah. You know, so I don't think anyone's going to bitch about the next five years after that if you brought in Arenado and you immediately win. Um, so this would be assuming they don't win a championship in 2021. I don't think that they're primed to because I – I think they're better. I think they're the best team in the NL Central by far now. Um, but I don't think that they're the best team in the NL. And I don't think that they're even close to contending with the best teams in the NL, um, even with the Arenado edition. So I, I think this is still a long-term investment for it to pay out. We're going to be definitely built to uh, 
pitch ground ball baseball to hard hitting teams and play really solid defense the cardinal way um yeah um that that is that is definitely how they will be successful um so um and then the last the last the last aspect of how this would be a bad trade for the cardinals is if he opts out after one or two years um if if that remains an option like if in fact he he does have that capability if he opts out after 2021 or 2022 and the cardinals don't contend in that time frame so you brought in arenado for a year or two you didn't contend with him he left you and you don't bring him back or anything and you just lost five players so you could have not contended without arenado so bringing Arenado did nothing for you. You just gave up five players, and you didn't even sniff a championship. Um, so in this, I would classify contended as you were competitive in the LCS or further. Like you don't have to, you don't necessarily win a championship, but you competed and you were there. Like if you win the division and get knocked out in the division series, you didn't contend for a championship. Like you if just I, took advantage of a weak division. If I only get to watch Nolan Arenado for this one year of baseball. And it costs uh, Austin Gomber the not the third best third baseman <laughs> in our system, and two two could be who knows pitchers. Uh, I'll take watching Aaron Nolan Arenado for one year over those four guys. So you so you think one year of Nolan Arenado and a year where the Cardinals don't compete for a championship is worth five players. I don't think any one of those other five players, like your point of other guys earlier, like there's Austin Gomber is not going to be out here winning us World Series and stuff like that. I, as a fan, would much rather watch us make this move. Um, you know, with something that they've been talking about for a really long time uh, at a time where we're has been talking about four months, payroll this and that and payroll this and we're not even bringing back Colton Wong and uh, we got to just work on Adam Wainwright, like through all that stuff to then actually have Nolan Arenado on the team. Yeah. yeah but I, they, I'd rather watch him on, but, I'd rather watch him on my baseball team for one year than no years. It, I, for the price uh, of, I mean, for, for the price for of the five price of Austin, players for, for literally the price of Austin Gomber, you're kind of already gridlocked at third base anyway. I mean, will it suck? Like, don't think I'm sitting here. Like, but you're oh not. My God, this is like the greatest thing ever. But you're not but gridlocked like, at all. Like you, you yeah. would have, you would have Gorman and you would have Walker behind that. Even if, if he walks, I'm just saying in the sense that like you're, you gave up three of your, you know, your top 20 prospects and a major league arm for one year of Arenado and a year that the team didn't compete. Like, again, like if they get, if they lose in a competitive LCS, like I, I think that that also is worth it. Like it did what it needed to do. Yeah. It didn't equate to a ring, but it, it did it. You competed. And then if he opts out, he opts out. Like you, you don't have a control over that. So I wouldn't be mad about that. I'm saying like they, they cakewalk to a division title because the NL central is super weak. They match up in you know, the first round with a, you know, a team like Atlanta or, you know, maybe they're they're matching up with like a San Diego in the first round or in that division series round type thing. I don't know what the format will look like if it is 14 teams. Um, my assumption would be the the top three teams have are um, the what it would be. Three teams have a bye. 
No, I don't. I don't know how they would do fourteen teams. How's how's football do it? Um, they cause they had seven teams. They have seven teams go to the playoffs, don't they? They yeah, but the two teams get buys. And then the wild like, card team plays the, the. And then there's like a wild card weekend, um, and then it goes to like divisional games. Right, but how? So, I, I guess how do they get? How do they go from seven teams to four teams? Like, how do they get three losers? Is it just one team gets a bye? Because then they have uh, seven teams this year. Eh, did they have? Did know. they have three wild card games for each conference instead of? So I guess that's what it would be. It's like the best, the best division winner gets a bye. The yeah. other, the other division or the other two division winners play. Uh wild card teams and then there's like a four versus five kind of matchup again um so it'd be kind of the same thing as last year just the number one seed gets a buy into the next round um so if they if the cardinals say they win that series um or they lose that series but they get into that second round where they're there may be a three seed or a four seed and they're playing uh, a san diego or they're playing atlanta you know the mets something like that and they just get beat up on, like they get knocked out in four games in a best of five, you know, not like not blown out, but they just, they, they don't like it. The series was never really a threat. Like the other team was kind of in control, start to finish type deal. I, I think the price that they paid if Arenado's only around for one year like that, because they could have done that without Arenado. Like you could have not, not given up all those bargaining chips. Like you know, you you could have found a means to trade for for something else in the future, or built for that future, um, traded from a strength for yeah, other but... things to win to win a ring. Because that's what you want your team to do is is to compete at that level. They they're gonna yeah. they're they were gonna potentially win the central without Arenado on their team. <laughs> so you you added nothing by giving up five players. Is is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's cool to get to watch them play, but for your franchise, it's not a good deal. Like you can't, can't be in the habit of, you know, getting rental players for five guys. Well, yeah, you don't, that's what I'm saying. It's not like the, Oh, this is the best scenario ever. But when it comes down to it, I, I, Matt Carpenter can sit his ass on the bench <laughs> while Nolan Arenado takes over third base. You know what I'm saying? It's fair. I'm it's so fair. over Matt Carpenter playing third base. I'm so over playing anyone else playing third base at this point in time. We finally have a third baseman. That's what it is. It's fair. I get you're trying to like make the worst of the outcomes. No, but... I, yeah, I'm just saying like the, these are the only scenarios in which I could think that this ends up being a potentially bad deal for the Cardinals. Like yeah. the, just in these these scenarios. Um, and then it's like, and some of my delved into, I, cause I went in and kind of broke down a little bit more with what I meant. Like obviously injuries, nothing you can do, but hope for the best. I know you, you curse me with injuries to the Yankees all the time. Um, I, curse you, dude. That's, that's all you talk about, which I call Stanton all because he well, denied the trade clause. All, he's always injured. He's only, he's been hurt two years out of the three he's been there and one yeah, was well, less than half of a season so it's really one and a half out of the three years he's been there or one and a half out of the two and a half he's been there hey, he's man, been hurt. hey, hey if your glass is half empty dude i feel you you know what i'm saying yeah i hope you have to do the same thing yeah i just hope that arenado goes through the same shit hey we'll see um we'll see, he's know. only been on the il twice in his career um, see how many games chapman blows this year you know? <laughs> probably 
probably less than the Cardinals bullpen. How many home runs did Garrett Cole give up last year? A Double. lot. A lot. Like Double. 11 or 12. I think he let up like 19 runs. Like 11 of them were solo home runs. Yeah, Toronto will probably beat you like 15 times again next year. So. Probably. Probably. I mean, not all of us can play in a cakewalk like the NL Central. Mm. You know, what What did you guys send four yeah. teams to the playoffs hey. last year? How many playoff hey. games did the NL Central win? None. Hey. None. Zero. Hey. Oh, and eight. Hey, you, guys are, you guys are playing the big, bad Baltimore Orioles over there, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, and eight in the playoffs. Those are an impressive run for the NL Central last year. Just killing the Baltimore Orioles, you know what I'm saying? I know. At least we made it to a World Series. You know, our our, our best team made it to a World Series. I mean, if your you want to go at least. If we were playing your the best least, team, like Your best team got knocked out in two one? games to the Miami Marlins. Uh, that's who, that's what happened to your division winner. Swapped yeah, but by the, the Miami, Miami Marlins. Marlins. But the Miami Marlins were studs last year. So. <laughs> If that's the game you want to play, the Baltimore Orioles were studs last year. No, our cakewalk was the Boston Red Sox. Trash. All right, our cakewalk was the Boston Red Sox last year. Yeah. That was they were our Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. You play in a somewhat trash division too. Dude. Don't worry about it. Hey, we we have three really good teams and two really bad teams. That's all. You guys have one really really bad team and four mediocre to good teams. Depending yeah, on the day, you're like, they're so inconsistent. Like one, depending on the day, <laughs> you're like one failed Toronto um, experiment away from having uh, three bad teams again. And, and the Boston and the Boston Red Sox have a championship more recent than any team in the NL Central. How they're so yeah. bad all of a sudden, I have no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> they also have a championship more recently than any other team in the AL East. I don't know how. They're all kinds of bad, but, nobody, but they won but one recently. Likes the Red Sox. Boston doesn't even like the Red Sox. They act like it. They don't. I know. They don't. They're mad. Yeah, I agree. And we do know how they won a championship. They cheated, but yeah, they cheated. They, they couldn't be couldn't be found. But anyway, we're the here Cardinals to talk about. To we're here to talk about Nolan Arenado and how this potentially could be a terrible deal. Um, he's he's been talk about dude, how it could be. A he's been he's been on the injured list twice in his career, Chris. He missed he missed eight games last year. That's crazy. Yeah. He missed eight games. Yeah. It, the yeah. Colorado was out of it. They weren't playing it, and he was obviously unhappy. But he missed eight games. You know, like, uh, so the only thing that rubs me the wrong way about him being unhappy at the end of the year is you didn't hear him saying shit about what the team wouldn't do around him when the Rockies started eleven and three. Like when the Rockies were winning and looked like one of baseball's best teams a quarter of the way through the season last year. Nolan Arenado was real happy, real quiet, not a whole lot coming from his camp. Then as the team fell apart, came back down to earth a little bit. Oh, he's got a shoulder injury. I'm just going to re- I'm going to start my rehab early. So, maybe he's a quitter, uh, dude. Maybe he's a quitter. Yeah, or what is it? I read uh the since they signed Nolan Arenado, the Colorado Rockies have brought in like one free agent signing and it was Daniel Murphy and like the last leg of his career come in and like give it a little hoorah. And um, they, they brought back Chris Iannetta and Matt Holliday. Yeah. So they, they've done stuff. I mean, they've, the Rockies have had yeah, a winning Matt record Holliday two to no, the last, since... like they've made the playoffs two out of the last five years. That's the same thing the Cardinals have done. So wait, Matt Holliday still in baseball, Matt Holliday. Matt Holiday 
I don't I, mean, I don't think he's in baseball right. anymore, but he signed with the Rockies in for 2019 or 2018, one of the two. Like yeah. after he left the Yankees, he finished his career as a Rocky. I think he's retired now. But they were yeah, winning. Done it. 2018. But I'm saying they they were like to say that they haven't brought him, like they've made the playoffs the same amount of times the Cardinals have in the last five years. So it's like, and they, they missed the wild card last year by three games and Arenado didn't play for the last eight. So like, it would have been tough for, for them to, to make a playoff spot, but it was still possible. Yeah, but it's still possible. So. Yeah. So last year, like last year's a horrible year to even look at really. It is. It is. Um, 19. We just want to make. Yeah. So in that, no, no wonder why they wouldn't deal with the Dodgers, dude. 2019, Colorado Rockies won 71 games. The Dodgers won 106. Yeah, so. but then look at 2018. I think the Rockies won 91 games in 2018. Yeah, Rockies they won. win 91 games. Yeah. Yep. yep. 91 and 72 lost by a game behind the Dodgers. So yeah, like yeah. 2019, they had a de- they you know it was a big down year. And then they started out in 2020, 11 and three. So they have a ton of upside. Yeah. You know, like they, it's not like they weren't winning at all. Um, it, well, if no one likes to win like 80 games, he's, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be stoked to be, to be insane. Yeah, we're winning uh, the division, 86 games. Yeah, I'm just saying it's just, it's yeah. like, I feel like it's gotta be more to it than just like, Oh, you weren't bringing anyone around me. Um, so like I, I I don't I don't know. Maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't like all the weed smoking going on in Colorado. Maybe. You know, Charlie Blackman Charlie Blackman definitely definitely strikes me as a pothead. So Yeah. Um but again, so the the only other time he's been hurt is he broke a finger on like he fractured his middle finger on his left hand in like two thousand fourteen and he was out from like the middle of May to like the beginning of July. It was literally like six weeks he was out for a fractured finger. I'm like, that seems like a pretty quick turnaround time, man. Like maybe, maybe take more time than that. If you break a finger. Um, so I don't think injury is anything to be concerned about. Obviously you never know. Uh, for example, Stanton wasn't very injury prone and he has not been able to stay healthy for each of the last two years. Um, so you never know. Um, I think if the prospects break out, it's also unlucky. Um, and it's the cost of bringing in superstars. Then you thought you gave up, you know, worse options. Um, there are plenty of examples of Cardinals kind of misjudging how good players are. Um, a Rosarena, Voight, Fam, you know, among others. But there's just as many that worked out really well. Um, Colby Rasmus, Shelby Miller, Luke Weaver. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of give or take. Um, I don't, I don't think like, yeah, Colorado could win the trade that way by those prospects really amounting to something, but I don't think you could say like the Cardinals lost in that regard. They just didn't win as much. Um, if it's just for the prospects, how many Nolan Arenado jerseys do you sell? And then you realize if you won or lost from the front office, you're like, 
Ah, uh, no, we sold, you know, a million jerseys. Um, I would imagine that even selling a million Arenado jerseys is not as valuable as winning a championship for a team. Yeah, so, definitely. But... So, again, it there's no way that they would be able to say, like, oh, well, we can't. We can't get Arenado because we think Tony Losey might win a Cy Young six years from now. Like you can't make like that can't be your reasoning for not making the trade. But it just could be the, the reason that Colorado wins out because they hit on all of the prospects. That's all. I'm imagine saying. being the guy in the Cardinals organization, be like, "Do not let Tony go." Yeah. Oh, no, no. And then yeah. like six years later, that Derek Jeter moment like, where he's like, you. "Yeah, Derek Jeter moment." Like you didn't sign him, and I said that that's who you should have drafted. Like I fucking quit. <laughs> like I'm out. Um. It's stupid. So. Um, so again, I know we got into a little bit if, you know, with, uh, the crutch of the payroll, um, so the team has plenty of money coming off the books. Um, like I said, it's about 60 million just at first glance. Um, so if that, if, if you say half that's tied up in Arenado now, um, so it gives you like 30 million that would need to be spent to like kind of fill and or improve a couple positions. Um, and again, these are only really relevant if the players you currently have in place aren't the answer. So obviously if, you know, whether Molina's back for one more year or not, you would have Kisner or Herrera as a potential answer for catcher. If that isn't your answer, like if they're not ready to be an everyday major leaguer, then you would need to fill that spot. Um, if, you know, you have Fowler clearing out, um, so you have an outfield spot opening up, if Thomas and or Carlson aren't the answer there, then you would need to look at bringing in potential outfield options. Um, and then you own like, to me, the big thing would be the starting rotation. Um, so for the first time in a long time, it would look much weaker than what, like going into 2022, than it has for a really long time. Um, so that would be where they would need to invest money and looking at what some pitchers are coming in for, like that, w that could potentially be where you're, where you're tying up the rest of your money and filling out your rotation, unless you're going to go with like, you know, like the, the Jake Westbrook type signings that they would do like Mike leak, that kind of option where you're, you're bringing in guys on like one, two short-term deals for, you know, four or 5 million a year, you know, like a Gio Gonzalez or something along those lines. Of course, if you hit on what you currently have and, Reyes becomes the the stud starter that everyone said he could be, and Hudson comes back and's healthy, and Flaherty continues to be an ace. Um, you know, you have a, a pretty great one, two, three. Um, you know, Ponce Leon would be serviceable. You know, they have you know Woodworth and those other guys that you know Aviedo that made some starts here or there. They weren't necessarily the most successful starts, but they showed promise. So if those guys become serviceable, then maybe you don't have to spend any money. Um, and then I also was like, uh, accounted for like any raises given to existing players. Obviously we saw like Bader and arbitration got like a $2 million pay raise. Um, if Flaherty continues to be your ace, he's probably going to be a couple million more each year. Uh, so that's probably like five to 10 million of that 30 million you had to play with anyway. So it's really more like 20 to 25 million that you have to fill out all of these roster spots um, or to, to improve on things. Like if you have, like 
if you want to better the bullpen because you know Miller leaving and Hicks just doesn't come back to to form or you know Cabrera ended up being a flash in the pan for one year something like that so you need to upgrade here or there like it just it limits you a little bit with having Arenado if they're going to use that as a crutch if they go a little above what they're currently at then they should be fine um, but who knows what the front office is going to do so if they're just like well, we got Arenado, so we don't need to do anything else. We got Goldschmidt, and we got Arenado. I don't know what else you want from us. I get the rest of the teams batting 200, 225, but I don't know what you want from us. We have Arenado and Goldschmidt. Right. We spent money. Leave us alone. Right. So that I I think that that's also minimal risk. Um, I think that worst case scenario it's like five positions you would need to like roles you would really need to fill and that's if none of your prospects pan out if all of them pan out then you have no holes to fill and you're just upgrading and you can do a decent amount of upgrading with 25 million dollars so should be good um so that for me it left the two most likely that uh would be he either doesn't perform or leaves after a year or two um, we've kind of talked through what the year or two would look like. Um, but I think as long as you put a competitive team around him, I don't see why he would walk away from 30 plus million dollars a year. You know, it'd probably be hard to get a contract like that, especially in the post pandemic era. Um, so unless the CBA changes things up quite a bit, I can't imagine he's going right. to want to do anything. Yeah. And imagine you don't hit 40 home runs this year. You don't hit for 300. Like, people will just say, oh, remember he had that, he had a little shoulder injury, and then, like, oh, his home away splits, and you saw him play in St. Louis. Like, so he has maximum chance for his devalue to continue to decrease. So I think that it is a smart bet to take, like, hey, we're willing to pay him his current contract. And if he thinks he can go out and get better than that, then I guess yeah, like that's good his on own him. prerogative, you know. Like, what are what can you do about that? Like, but we can only try. The I'm sure that this will be so short lived with me, because um, I'd imagine we'll I'd imagine it's gonna get done, and then after that, I don't really see much happening. Like, you might see like a veteran, like. Uh, a bullpen guy or something weird, some like weird, really small signing, but I d- really doubt anything to me to be like the middle of the year trade deadlines coming up. Like it is obvious that, you know, you could compete with some of these other NL teams in the playoffs. If you know, you upgraded your outfield, if you upgraded second base, whatever, whatever you had to upgrade, if you weren't willing to make that move and you're willing to just wait until the next year, cause to your point, like, in the middle of this year, if you think you have a shot, you better be ready to pull the trigger on something because you might not have Nolan, Aaron, Nolan Arenado the very next year. Right. Um, so will the Cardinals be willing to pull that trigger uh, at the trade deadline and take care of whatever needs they will glaringly show they have? Um, but right now, I think they, I think they sit tight, see where sure. a Dylan Carlson like slots in that lineup does Nolan Arenado make him a better hitter because of the lineup the way it rolls out does things adjust to just this one player and quickly find out if it does or it doesn't and you know adjust on the fly um something Mo and Gersh have been pretty good with but we give them a lot of heat because we do it in very slow motion 
we are one of the only franchises that doesn't have like a rumor city meal like mm -hmm. you know like your new york yankees you're not hearing a bunch of like rumors coming out that aren't like you know pretty close to happening um people just don't talk about them because you know they're long-standing franchises that have done business for a really long time and you know their business is their business and they deal with people that understand that you know our business is our business and you know let it leak out of the very end and let it leak out of the very beginning pretty much type of deal so not surprising but super easy to complain about um so so <clears throat> yeah so the the last thing it leaves then and you know i, I think we kind of both agree that the most likely way that this trade ends up being a nightmare or a, a bad trade for the Cardinals, again, is something that would be completely unpredictable. And it's that Nolan Arenado doesn't perform. Um, so I, I think that him not performing is a little different than not performing to the level of value you expect to get for 30 plus million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. so that's how i kind of approach this was like all right it's like what are they really getting um so obviously he's been in colorado for eight years um his stat line like on an average of over 162 games so like typically a full season um bats 293 on base percentage 350 slugging percentage like a 540 35 home runs 114 rbis and he's won eight consecutive gold clubs at third base in the nl so if he does that, like on average, I I think you're very happy with the deal. Like if that's the kind of numbers that you get, would would you agree? Yeah. You know, 115, 100, 100 plus RBIs, 30 plus home runs, bat close to 300, win a Gold Glove on defense. Can't be mad about that. Um, yeah, you can't be mad about that. Uh, third, you know, 30 million uh, a year five years ago it should have been an mvp type candidate um that just isn't what it is anymore like more players are in that price range um you know and i and i think that if he if he does that he should be an mvp candidate like he'll probably be a top five top 10 mvp guy um so what i was interested in because i think i think everyone's going to put a lot into his offense um, with uh, what's his bat look like, not at cores. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's some stuff to that. I know you had mentioned, I don't know how far you got, but like how altitude affects pitches. Cause I've, I've read a pretty interesting article that it as a, as a hitter batting in cores doesn't make you a better hitter. It just makes you a worse hitter everywhere else because yeah. the ball moves differently. Yep. Um, so like your contract, your contact rate will go down and things like that because you're used to adjusting to the way a pitch moves and the altitude of, you know, Colorado, whereas maybe at sea level, it doesn't move the same way. So you're swinging in a different spot looking for a pitch. Yep. Um, and I thought that that was a very interesting take. So I, I did some offensive digging, made some comparisons, um, compared them a lot to like Matt Holiday because I think it's a pretty close comparison. So I'll get into those, but I, what I dug into first was the defensive side. Um, cause even you said that I like, get really shores up the defense. Um, so comparing his numbers last year, um, you know, it's like most, most recent to go off of just to kind of see where we're at. Like, um, so 
Arenado turned 90% of the balls that he fielded into outs, whereas the Cardinals combined, they were at 87%. So I, I think the Rockies were actually lower than 87%, but majority of that was like the two guys that filled in for Arenado when he wasn't playing third. So I looked at just Arenado, like I cut the rest of it out. And then so how it's improving. So it does get a little bit better. Um, if they, so, so Arenado only fielded 147 uh, batted balls compared to the Cardinals 162. So essentially what that broke down to is if Arenado had got to 162, he would have converted those bad, like those fielded balls to five more outs than the Cardinals did. Um, over the course of 60 games. So not a huge increase, but depending on when those outs came, maybe it was gigantic. Could, yeah, could stop a rally. Right. Um, in terms of bunting, um, the Cardinals were actually far better at fielding the bunt than, than Arenado was. Um, so the, every, every bunt that was fielded by a third baseman was converted into an out. Uh, the same was for any bunts fielded by a pitcher. And then even the catcher, um, they they only fielded two bunts all year. One of them turned into an out. The other one didn't. Um, so there isn't much room for improvement there. Uh, Arenado's numbers also weren't terrible. I think he had like, I think it was like one out of three bunts that he fielded turned into outs. But you're, you're kind of splitting hairs at that point. Um, so I figured that with the batted balls turned into outs, it was probably pretty much a wash, like probably not going to kill you in terms of fielding the ball. Um, but the biggest difference for me came in the airs category. So Arenado committed three total while the Cardinals combined for 11. Um, but it's worth noting that five of those were committed by Brad Miller, who isn't really a third baseman and isn't that great defensively, which is why he's always been kind of a utility guy. Um, and then um, three of them were also from Tommy Edmond, who is moving to second base. So it's, <clears throat> and then Carpenter committed three. Um, all of Carpenter's were throwing errors. I know you talked about how Goldschmidt's pretty big about like hitting me in the numbers. I think Arenado will be better at that. Um, so yep. Arenado uh, committed three errors. Carpenter also committed three errors. Arenado fielded like far more opportunities than Carpenter did because obviously Carpenter split time with two other guys. Um, but it wasn't as night and day as I thought it would be. Um, and whereas Edmund also committed a decent amount of the errors, you're moving him to second to replace another gold glover in Wong. So overall, the infield defense probably doesn't improve that much based on just like those basic numbers um, where I expect to see the difference. And there wasn't really a way for me to compare this was that like maybe DeYoung gets to more balls up the middle. So he actually fields more balls because Arenado has more range to his left or he takes away like extra base hits are some of the things that he gets to by diving down the line. And that's where it comes into like those extra five balls that were fielded that turn into outs when those come into play, um, that they might make the difference. Yeah. And I'd say the, I'd say the first part, you're right. I spent, uh, part of this weekend just watching like highlight videos of Arenado on defense. 
And it was like 10 to 15 straight minutes of just like ridiculous play after ridiculous play, obviously. But there's a lot of plays like that. Like he's really helping that shortstop, even though the shortstop would have got to it, like he's just deeper in that hole. And so like Aaron is just able to get to it quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a cannon for an arm. Right. Um, uh, and he really has a feel for where first base is. Um, so yeah, I think defensively he helps out Paul DeYoung. Um, on that side, because Paul DeYoung flashes some weather here and there. He's he doesn't, he just doesn't have range. He doesn't yeah, have that he's range. Not he doesn't kill you defensively for sure. Yeah, like DeYoung, like I don't, I don't think he he makes like he doesn't make a ton of throwing errors. He doesn't boot a lot of balls. He just doesn't yeah. get. DeYoung to him a also lot. has it. Yeah, DeYoung also has a cannon. Like if he needs to throw to first base, he's launching it for sure. Yeah, so so I'm hoping that with having Arenado, it allows DeYoung to maybe wander close like further up the middle and maybe he can get to a little bit more um in that regard so to help cut down some of it so i think that that's where it really gets picked up and there there are stats for like factoring range and stuff like that i just didn't dig into him because i it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. really where where i'm at um but one of the things i thought you were interested was uh that that you said that i found interesting so definitely like defense at third would be better but the defense really didn't kill the Cardinals last year from third base. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like how much worse defense gets at second base or if defense improves elsewhere. Um, but the Cardinals saw like 8% less batted balls in play than Colorado did. Like I think like of, of batted balls that were put into play, it was like 61% of, of batted balls were put in play or something like that for the Cardinals. Um, and it was like 69% for the Rockies. So the Cardinals pitched to way less contact than Colorado did. Um, and then it was like 3% lower of those, of the balls put in play were ground balls than what Colorado saw. So the, the Cardinals are actually trending to like, they pitched the contact and ground ball contact less than the Rockies did. Um, which is surprising to me. So it'll yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Like it's it's almost like what's being utilized, or or the route the Cardinals are trending would take less advantage of the additional defense that Arenado yeah. brings to the table because they they have been trending away from that ground ball mentality. But I don't know if it's trending away as much as you lost Miles Michaelis, who was going to be a ground ball pitcher, Dakota Hudson, who was going to be a ground ball pitcher. Um, right. You didn't you didn't really know KK was going to be your starter. Um, and where he strikes some guys out, he's, for all intents and purposes, a pretty decent ground ball pitcher. Um, so I don't know if it's uh, where we took a step away from it, other than we had to find something else that works while – uh, a handful of our guys weren't pitching. Obviously, Wainwright's going to be huge um, into contact as he's like you know barely thrown in the nineties uh, anymore. But uh, so I, I think we'll kind of see how that plays out. This right. Year for sure. it, agreed. I, I I don't think it's it's anything to say that like they should have made this trade for that reason. But <laughs> I I think that like where it's like oh man you're adding this Gold Glove caliber third baseman when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, like the difference between what, like someone that's considered a mediocre third baseman and like a Matt Carpenter and then a perennial gold glove winner, statistically, it doesn't look that much different. 
So it's got it, it, there's got to be intangibles that just aren't grabbed in like your base yeah. stats, and like that's where like saber metrics come into play and stuff like that. Like, it's like there's there's things we could look at. Um, I'm definitely by no means trying to say that like Matt Carpenter is just as effective on defense as right, right, right. Nolan Arenado, um, but it just it doesn't in in the stat lines it doesn't equate the same way. So like I was very surprised to find like that's what the stats painted as a picture. Is that like St. Louis and Colorado were about identical in terms of defense at third base last year. And like, there's no way, like if someone were to tell me that, I'd be like, you're fucking drunk. Like, no, that's not accurate. Um, so it was just interesting to see that. And like, or maybe, maybe that's what it is. And like the gold glove is way hyped up and it doesn't really matter. And like getting a gold glove is just in name alone, or your offense plays a bigger part in getting a gold glove, which a lot of people argue that you have to have good offensive stats to win a gold glove, even though it has, Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Um, but so to so to get into offense, so I compared um, looking at what what Arenado did last year, obviously coming off a down year, but then compared it to the the number four spot production that the Cardinals had as a team in their fifty eight games. Um, so I because it was such a short year, I just took the their numbers and then averaged it based on playing 155 games, which is about what Arenado averages um, in a season. Um, so averages obviously stay the same. Arenado only hit 253 last year, which is way down from, you know, it's like 40 points lower than his career average. So he was well below. And I think part of that had to do with like that shoulder injury that everyone's talking about that apparently happened like pretty early on in the season, diving to make a play. And it was just kind of like this, this lingering effect that lasts all year. And that's what everyone said was why it was a down year. Uh, could have just been that he was unhappy. Um, but either way, uh, so hit 253, 303 on base percentage, 434 slugging, 26 home runs, 83 RBIs. In comparison for the Cardinals, number four spot, they had a 198 batting average. So significantly lower, like 55 points lower. Um, a higher on base percentage and then a lower slugging percentage, but they would have had 21 home runs and 80 RBIs. So even his worst season so far outpaces what the Cardinals got from their four hole hitters last year. So I feel like there's only room to go up right now. Of well, course, and... like he, he could have the worst year of his career again, but you can't, you can't bank on that. <laughs> yeah. So um, sports illustrated had an article and they were talking about, um, and this is kind of how I started into my, uh, like what pitching does in high altitude or whatever, but they were like, so it is true that last season, Nolan Arenado lost, you know, 149, um, points off his slugging percentage, which was the 25th worst decline in baseball. But some of the other hitters with a worst decline was Christian Yellick, Jose Altuve, Cody Bellinger, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, and JD Martinez. Um, so like, are you really ready to give up on all these guys after, you know, the training schedules were so wonky and, you know, like right. they played minimal baseball. Um, so I think injury a little bit for him has probably unhappiness. Cause I did read some articles about like, there was probably times where he was just like taking pitches right down the middle. He didn't really seem like he was fully there. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, all like, that went yeah. into it. State of mind definitely, I think, would uh, play a part, especially yeah. in a game like, you know, and as like a professional athlete, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then this same article had uh, 
like so arenado like because it talks uh like the breaking pictures um just break differently in high altitude so they actually break way less um than they would anywhere else so arenado's first breaking pitches from 2016 to 2020 was his home average was 276 and his slugging was 506 and away he took a little hit at 253 of an average and 434 slugging um but comparatively to the rest of his teammates the rockies at home averaged 247 and slugged 444 but away their average was uh 206 and their slugging was 345 um so he was far way better than away than average for at least his teammates home and away um but just showing like the um how it actually really just makes uh makes it harder to kind of see those breaking pitches because they look so nasty um after you've been at Coors Field for the stretch of you know five six seven games they're breaking way less and then all of a sudden you know you're getting an extra three right. to four inches on a break and you're like what is this guy throwing holy shit right yeah because like i because like his his home and away splits they they are they they do vary pretty drastically yeah. um it's like he like his slash line <laughs> at home was like 322 376 609 compared to 263 322 471 so he slugs away less and his batting average drops 60 points um i think that's that significant he also homers and it's like one like through his career it's been one out of every 17 plate appearances at home it's one out of every 23 on the road um which doesn't seem like that much but it essentially it equates to like 35 home runs less that in the same amount of plate appearances he would hit uh, uh, on the road than he would at home. Like, and that's over, you know, 5,000 plate appearances worth of data, 4,500 plate appearances. So it, it yeah. adds up for me though. I think where the, the big difference was is his extra base hits. So yeah, triples was triples was pretty weird. Yeah, Triples and doubles. Like it. So I, I looked at and included home runs into it. Uh, but it was 305 extra base hits in his career at home uh, to 219 on the road, which again, it doesn't seem like this crazy number. It's about 10 a season. Um, but the difference is not only that, like the ball carries so much, but Colorado has a gigantic outfield. So just the like teams don't get to as much. Um, and I think like the proof in that. So not even like, Oh, look at the numbers. Um, but I, I was reading an article. So over the course of the last five years, the Rockies have scored the most runs in baseball at home. And in that same stretch, um, they scored like, I think it's like the 27th most runs on the road. Um, or no, they were dead. They were dead last in scoring. That's what it was. So they've scored the most runs in baseball at home from 2016 through 2020 and they finished last during that same stretch on the road. Um, and then uh, they have the highest home OPS in baseball over the last five years. And it's 27th um, on the road or one or the other. Like, I think they had like the worst OPS on the road and the best in the majors at home. And then they were like first and run scored 27th and runs again or run scored on the road or something like that. And in that stretch, like they had the losing record three out of five years, even though like they led the league and run scored at home over that five years. So like they have the team as a whole, 
has far more success in the offensive category at Colorado than on the road. Yeah, because the breaking pitches are so much worse, dude. Right, and so and so there are forty point swing. So and they're saying like there's been there's you know plenty of examples of guys that just get better when they leave like DJ LeMahieu. Obviously, has been an absolute stud in New York the last two years. He came from Colorado, so it clearly hasn't affected him. Um, his OPS has gone up at home and on the road since he joined the Yankees. Um, yeah, yeah, good comparison. But Hell yeah. so the the comparison that they used in the article I was reading though was Matt Halliday, and I thought that it was very fitting because he obviously like he left Colorado, went to Oakland for a brief stint, and then came to the Cardinals. Um, but he was in Colorado for five years. Then he spent seven plus years in St. Louis. His first full year in St. Louis was his year 30 seasons, like the year he turned 30. That's going to be the same case for Nolan Arenado. Um, Arenado is just eight years in Colorado as opposed to the five. Um, But uh, Holiday's home OPS with Colorado was like 1.068, so astronomical. And his road OPS was 0.803, so on base plus slugging. Pretty, Pretty serviceable number. When he, you know, in his seven plus seasons with the Cardinals, it was 8.95 at home and 8.53 on the road. Um, so like the the picture they're painting is like, yeah, he may not have the same OPS at home since he's not playing 81 games at Coors, and he's you know he's going to be playing 81 games at Bush, but he's also not dealing with the different break of pitches for 81 games outside of cores where he's trying to pick up on things. Um, and he's still going to be playing at hitter friendly ballparks like Wrigley great American ballpark. Um, watch call it uh, Miller park in Milwaukee. Yeah. So versus sit- teams with some like shoddy pitching. Yeah. And instead of playing in San Diego, which has a gigantic ballpark, the Dodgers, which have a gigantic ballpark. Um, so his, his road OPS may go up. So where's like, yeah, Holiday lost, you know, 100 points, 150, almost 200 points off of his home OPS. It went up 50 points on the road. So so it, it comes out in the wash at some point. Um, and then the other part of that is, you know, Holiday, it was from age 25 to 30 that he was in Colorado and then age 30 to 37 that he was in St. Louis. So your pride is past your prime. So your numbers are naturally going to drop a little bit. So that's why you see that. But it's like hitters are going to hit. I think Arenado is going to hit. Um, the defense is going to play its part. Mm. So I, I think they'll be Green. fine. It'll just be, you know, when he gets bit by the entry bug, this just sold the shoulder. He's mm. It's going to be the same thing that tore down Scott Rowland. He's just you not going to be able to make bitch. that throw. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, he, he's going to Marcelo Zuna it. Not like cause he's going to like hyperextend his throwing elbow. And he's just going to be worthless. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be the next Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter was a so, stud for like four years for us, though. So, so one, one thing I will say, this will be the last point that I make, and then you can say your final piece because we're at like 210. But... So well, thanks for giving me my segments, bags. Jeez. Hey, dude, you we we both said a lot. Um, but but the Cardinals' offense. So with Wong being gone, Miller being gone, 
uh, Carpenter likely being out of the starting rotation unless there's a uh, starting lineup unless there's a DH position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fowler maybe not even being in an outfield spot. Um, now, if Fowler's out, Carlson's probably in. But if, if, if that were to be the case either way, because they're both switch hitters, but the only lefty bat you would have would be Edmund as a switch hitter and then Carlson or Fowler as a switch hitter. The Cardinals will have no pure lefties on their team. And then for 2022, if they don't bring in anyone and Carpenter and Fowler are both gone, it would just be Edmund and Carlson as switch hitters would be the only left-handed bats that the Cardinals have on their roster. So like everyone they got rid of was left-handed. <laughs> like, okay. Too far. You you overcorrected. We need some guys back. It's like the Yankees. The Yankees only have right-handed batters. That's all we have. And Aaron Hicks, because we've got rid of Brett Gardner. So we have like one switch hitter, and that's it. Everyone else purely right-handed. Got him. Yeah, so maybe that's what the Cardinals will have. The new home run leaders. Um, yeah, so final thoughts on your injury-riddled season for Nolan Arenado? Uh, nope, pretty uh, pretty stoked about it. Uh, really uh, in the camp that we can obviously do more, um, but um, at least um, I can't say we're not at least starting to try anymore. Um, it We do have more questions th- then answers as far as like the future of baseball is considered for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, especially we got a lot of money coming off the books. Like we still don't know what our outfield looks like. We could definitely better our infield. Um, but we do start taking out of some of these pieces that like, we're not going to see Matt Carpenter play anymore. We're not going to watch Tommy Edmond swap around a, f- you know, 15 different spots. Um, if he touches an outfield position, if he even so much thinks about playing outfield this year, I'm going to be um, not super happy about it. Um, so yeah, Colt I think Long's it just really, huh? Colt Long's coming back. They're going to sign him so, to play, play second okay, base. So this will be the only, that will be the only caveat to uh, if Edmund plays the outfield again next year is if not just they sign um, Colton Wong, who would probably at this point in time be the best option uh, left out there to sign at second base. But if they brought in another guy that they thought were going to be the next second baseman, and, you know, they needed Tommy Evan to fill that every once in a while. And our outfielders were sucking. Then, like, okay, I can see it. But, like, currently the way we stand it, like, I would be very hard-pressed unless Matt Carpenter is going to split some time at second base when we really see him very much. Um, and then Edmund's going to play his spot at second. So Yeah, unless uh, unless the DH is a thing in the in the NL, I, I think it's going to be very hard to find at-bats for Carpenter. He's going to be a left-handed bat coming off the bench, you know, and is like a pinch hit role for the most part, um, which is a great use of $18 million. Um, so that there, there's that feels bad. Um, but I, I think there's a strong possibility that there's a, a DH. Um, it's to me, it's a little different. Like if, if Carpenter isn't taking a bats because he's sucking, that's one thing. But it's like you just don't have a spot for him and he's just on your bench and you're burning $18 million. That feels bad. Um, even if you're able to justify with like, well, we don't think he'd perform that well. 
like at least like if he had an opportunity to do it or whatever um because it wasn't too far you know that long ago that cardinals fans were pretty high on matt carpenter um and they were stoked when he got signed long term so so i mean but that was a good deal when you signed him long term at the time it just hasn't turned out it, it didn't turn out to be a good deal but it was a good deal at the time it was exciting he was if you look at, I yeah. read another article today that like compared a lot of Nolan Arenado's numbers to like a Matt Carpenter when Matt Carpenter was like paying well. But would you pay Matt Carpenter $30 million? Probably not. No. Um, but like other numbers were eerily close, um, not too far off. But yeah. so that's why I, we were excited. Cause, no, and I, and I agree. I'm, and I'm not saying that like, oh, it wasn't this terrible thing. Like I, I think that Carpenter was a better second baseman than he was ever a third baseman. Um, but you had Wong, so it was, it was tough to, to find a spot there for him. Um, but no, like, I, I don't, I don't disagree with like, Oh, like I, I understand why the Cardinals gave him the contract that he did and it sucks that it hasn't panned out. That's why to me, like it just, it feels bad if you're like, if he's delegated to the bench because of this Arenado trade, Yep, it didn't cost you anything, but you still are essentially eating $18 million that you're getting nothing out of because you're sitting Matt Carpenter. Whereas if you have the universal DH, at least they're, like he has the chance to perform. And if he doesn't, then it's just a shitty contract because Carpenter didn't perform. But if he doesn't even have a chance to bat, they're like, yep, you save $35 million that the Rockets are paying Arenado, but you're eating $18 million that you paid that you're paying Carpenter. So really you got Arenado for half price rather than free because he stole a spot and benched an $18 million player. Um, so that, that's just where the feels bad comes from. Um, but a lot of people are going to be like Carpenter better not touch the field. And it's like, yeah, like I don't, I don't know that that's the case. Like, you know, like he needs to not bat 200. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if there was a DH and he was batting two hundred, that also is gonna be a feels bad. Yeah, like it it'll be I think it'll be a short leash for, for anybody. Um so I guess you like I really would be like Carpenter or Fowler would be your best options because you know, O'Neal's coming off a gold glove, so obviously he's not killing you defensively. Um Bader is definitely a better defensive outfielder than Fowler. And I think Carlson or Thomas would both be better defensively than Fowler. Um, so if Carpenter and Fowler both aren't getting playing time, you know, because they're sucking, well, then you broke even on your on your Arenado deal. Um, but hopefully your team performed better. So you didn't spend any extra money, but hopefully you got more production out of your team than without Arenado. And you just have Carpenter and Fowler in the lineup sucking it up every day you know mm. yeah so so we'll we'll see um the ideal world is that uh carpenter and fowler do enough to just earn their at bats and you give you know carlson a, a chance to to play down in the minors for a year and thomas a chance to play down there and then you you figure out what you're gonna do and then carpenter goes away and fowler goes away and you got some freedom to do some stuff with a, a little less risk. Freedom. Yeah. 
So we'll see. So so what? You'd say you're you think this is an okay trade? You're all right with it? You're lukewarm on on the man Arenado? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll see how it plays out, but yeah. you know, it's a little too early to gonna, tell. I'm, yeah, a little too early to tell, but you know. Yeah. So I, early I think, on, at least, we're not we're not too mad about it. I I think that the best thing the NL or the MLB could do right now is make more than five teams make the playoffs. Otherwise, the NL is going to be very boring. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd leave that to Lone Spags. Yeah, so what's well, going to be LA and San Diego, St. Louis, Atlanta, and then the only compelling argument will be which other team from the East wins a wild card. Just a hater, dude. Yeah. So uh, Sorry, ho- hopefully that isn't the case. Even I think even if you make it seven teams, then it's probably just a situation where like it's the same four teams, but then you probably can just throw in like Philly, you know, Washington and the Mets, and then maybe Milwaukee gets into the mix. Uh, maybe San Francisco gets into the mix. It's like that's where you get your interest from. But other than that, NL is going to be pretty boring to watch from an outside from an outside perspective. Boring, boring in the sense that there won't be any like compelling pennant races or anything like that. I guess maybe like San Diego and LA could be fun to watch duke it out all year, but that's going to get old real fast. Like we get it, you traded for everybody under the sun. Cool. We're the we're the party division in all we do is party. We like to party. So cool, cool. Um, anything else okay. on on your end? We, I think we talked no, for man. almost an hour and a half about the Arenado trade. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so. Worth, 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 worth. Yeah. We're talking no Cardinals. So we talked a little Cardinals. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. There's there's a lot to unpack there. Um. Yeah, but no. Other than I'm, I'm gravy until the next Nolan Arenado conversation. We can go back to. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll know. Highlight videos of them for the next couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we uh we know a little more about like the the intricacies of the deal. Um, if that comes out, we'll we'll touch on it. I I imagine that there won't be a whole lot going on. Uh, the realm of free agency. There's a couple guys like Bauer, Cruz, Ozuna. Um, you know, some we'll we'll keep you posted, but um, I would prepare right now spend your week looking at your expansion stuff. Um, Deal. And that's, that's what we'll, oh, that's what we'll story coming to St. Louis. <laughs> if, if that happens, then that'll be what we cover next week. Along, we can, we can push Charlie back. Yeah. We can push back the, uh, we can push back the expansion talk. If the Cardinals <laughs> land either or, or both story and Blackman. The Rockies feel so bad that they took future Cy Young winner. Uh, totally Losey, Losey. That they gave that they ended up giving them story and Blackman. Yeah. Like the, it's like, we, we come to find out that like the GM for the Rockies, like also gets like Gersh's first round pick in their fantasy league or something yeah, like this, yeah. some stupid arbitrary thing. Um, the Cardinals have to wear like a Rockies alternate, alternate Jersey, like every <laughs> third Sunday. <laughs> like, yeah. It would be fun if trades like that existed. Um, they might, dude. We're just not privy to them. So yeah, we we just haven't got there yet. Yeah, they're probably throwing throwing mills down on the table. 
It's like, oh yeah, bat you, no one bat you contract. Oh boom, thirty five. Watch me get this straight done. D wears P. You seen it? <laughs> you seen it? Nope. Better watch it. <laughs> All right. I've got to pay for my wife's new dress. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it for us. Uh, tune in next week to find out whether or not we actually cover the expansion. And then, uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by and stay cool.